What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Show Up, Show Out podcast. To show up in a show out means to go somewhere and make an impression. And we hope to help you do so by having insightful, memorable, funny, and awesome conversations that keep you wanting to come back. We hope you enjoy and let's tap in. Show up and show out nation. What's going on? It's your boy RC. I'm back in the chair here. I'm going to keep this intro pretty short today. All I'm going to say is uh, I hope you all enjoyed the NBA playoff preview with Drake and Brendan. Uh, I had a lot of fun recording that one and I I know they did too. So I'm really glad uh, we were able to get that going. They'll definitely be back on the show uh, in the near future. I am in Arizona this week, as I mentioned in the last podcast. So I wanted to pump out a quick episode here before uh, I hop on the plane down to Arizona this weekend. I put in a little extra work over the Easter long weekend and recorded an extra podcast here and a second one with my boy Akeem Brown. For those who don't know Akeem, uh, he runs his own show called the Akeem's Dream Show. Go check that out. I'll put the link in the description. Uh, Akeem is one of my good friends. Uh, we met a few years ago when I was. we both were working at Pepsi together and kind of just uh, our friendship really kind of just grew from there and I consider him to be one of my best friends today. This was a pretty fun conversation I got to have with him and I hope you all enjoy it. As I've mentioned, uh, I'm going to be taking a little bit of time away from podcasting just with uh, you know taking this sort of sabbatical vacation, so to speak. It's only a couple of days, but it's whatever. But I'll be back in the chair soon uh, with a new episode soon enough, but uh, without further ado, let's get straight to my episode and conversation with uh, my dear friend, Akeem Brown. Akeem, man, what's going on? Wagwan. <laughs> Wagwan. It's, uh, this is an inaugural, this is, okay, I, I've, this is not my first guest interview, but this is my third or first, sorry, this is my first, um, collaboration interview with someone who, uh, runs his own podcast. So this is, uh, this is another uh, inaugural moment in the show up and show out podcast history. Um, so I'm glad you're uh, be a part of it. What do you What do you got to say? I'm blessed to be part of it, man. I'm very proud of this uh, show you've launched so 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 far. And I mean, it's uh, it's incredible because you have uh, your ear of the streets. You got a good drip, and uh, <laughs> you know what the streets want, and you know uh, uh, you're kind of tied into what's happening every day so i'm excited for you to continue to grow the show and excited to be on the show today no i appreciate you man yeah this is uh this is almost like a full circle moment isn't it like you know like i think about when you put me on your show on akeem's dream show uh back in september there in 2021 which is only a few months ago (laughs) when you really think about it um but now now it's kind of like a full circle moment where it's like the shoes on the other foot almost you know so yeah full circle moment and if uh if i had to guess back then if you do your own show i'd probably say yes because i remember when we finished the first show back in the summer you're like oh let's do this again let's do another one <laughs> and we ended up doing a drake review show yeah, and then a yeah second yeah. review show yeah. called sweeter man's but you know every time you were super uh fired up and uh excited and uh i was like this guy's gonna do his own show so it's like uh, i'm not surprised we're here um but at the same time i'm super pumped to see the content you're pushing out and and the people you're having on and the conversations you're having because it's fun man you're helping us show up and show out so yeah i appreciate you man yeah that's like you know it's funny enough because uh full disclosure when my whole ear to the streets kind of thing you know my my thing that i always pledge on this show it really originated from um our podcast that we uh, we had uh 
recorded together because I know you had mentioned a couple of times that, yeah, I, you know, I, you know, Ryan has his ears to the streets and I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And I'm like, that's something, you know, I should try and share uh, with the people. So I'm, I'm glad, you know, I think you can say that you've played a big part in why uh, I've started my own show and uh, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. 100% man. I mean, this is, uh, when we went to Toronto that one time, uh, <laughs> I would always ask you like, Hey, who's this rapper? Who's this artist? And you always had an answer. So, uh, I mean, when you extrapolate that across sectors like sports and entertainment yeah. and business, I mean, there's no better person to, uh, show up and show out when it comes to, uh, how to perform best in those arenas. So here we are, and I'm excited to dive into with you, bro. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I know for my listeners here, um, who are getting to know Akeem. Um, Akeem's one of my good buddies that I met. Uh, we actually met when I was working for Pepsi yeah. and you were working for Pepsi also at that time. Uh, you know, back in, it would have been 2019, I think it was uh, around then. And um, Akeem actually trained me for a day funny enough do you, yeah. do you remember that do you remember that yeah it was a training day you were ethan hawk i was denzel <laughs> yeah i was the uh i was like the the protege so to speak and <laughs> yeah good times pepsi was a great company to work for i mean i worked there for four years doing a bunch of roles and um when you came around as a business co-op student uh, it was my job to take you around and show you the accounts and show you how to talk to the customers and how to set everything up and everything and it was uh, the food service business, so uh, we were just, uh, you know, going around and making sure that all the accounts were handled, and, uh, you know, you had a good... I remember we connected on sports right away, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, our love for food and different kinds of, like, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I remember we went to Full Han. Yeah, city, we had a... <laughs> and uh, we... Uh, so this is this place in Edmonton. They serve Vietnamese pho, and... Uh, I normally get the large uh, number 16. It's like this peanut dish. It's really, it's pretty lit. And uh, Ryan got the same thing, but he got an extra large. <laughs> I was like, God damn, bro. This is like a popcorn bowl full of soup. And you're like, no problem. It's like, where's it all go? But I guess when you're 19, it doesn't matter, man. You can put it away. It's like some kind of like ether bottomless pit in your body when you're fucking 20 years old. So yeah. Yeah. That was, no. I'll never forget that. No, that's, that's hilarious because um, I remember, you know, just, going with you around your car that day and you know it just started off as like you know whatever like i'm i'm this this trainee sending you know intern sent along for the day uh with some food with the food service guy which i've you know from my knowledge of the business at that point it was like okay so there's like food service and then there's like you know kind of like more the the mainstream retail, retail yeah. kind of thing and i was mo mostly in the re like the retail kind of thing but you know neil and and the guys there were were like you know let's 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 get you to learn some you know the other side of the business and that's when i got to you know meet you and um yeah i remember you know we we go around a couple of accounts shoot the shit whatever and then yeah we we go grab some vietnamese for lunch and it was a it was a good day. That was one of my more memorable days uh, uh, during my internship uh, there for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, fun business, uh, food service. We're just going to restaurants and cafes and bars and getting them on the Pepsi program. And uh, for me, it was like a it was a good program to learn about. Like I know you went to business school. Yeah, it's a, it was a good. Uh, company to kind of learn about how uh, big business is done and all the systems around big business because you start you know you could start you could go to a family business that has like less than 10 employees and that's a great place but you know you learn about systems and stuff and you go to like a big PepsiCo or those kind of companies mm -hmm. of the world but uh, you know you were you came on you picked everything up pretty quick and uh, you know that was my last year before I went back to the university which is yeah. where our friendship kind of evolves so. yeah yeah it's kind of crazy how uh, things kind of turn out that way you know for for those who aren't aware of how like the food and beverage business kind of works 
I don't know if it's just all, it's probably Canada. I'm going to say like Canada in terms of like, you know, like restaurants and, um, you know, businesses and stuff like that. Like they're very much like, okay, you're either Pepsi or you're Coke, mm-hmm. right? Versus like RC Cola. <laughs> or RC Cola. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, or, you know, retail businesses, which are like, okay, like they carry everything, right? So, yeah. um, you know, Akeem's side of the business at that point in time was like, like the, the strictly Pepsi side of the business where it's like, okay, like you're strictly Pepsi, you're selling Pepsi products, you you don't have any Coke whatsoever, like, you know, p- products in, in your business or your operation. Correct. Yeah. Retail. So with these big businesses, they have, they have divisions and stuff. So retail side of Pepsi is like, you're right, grocery stores, uh, supermarkets, they sell everything. They don't have, you can't get exclusivity in those stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there's a Coke store and a Pepsi store in Vegas, but I'll tell you <laughs> that, like, everything else has, like, uh, their their cosmopolitan selections. But in the food service business, you can win over exclusivity. So you go into a bar and you're like, you're not going to serve Pepsi and Coke here. So I'm going to get you a deal to beat out the Coke guy. And that was essentially my job. Like, and then that evolved from like bars and restaurants to like, by the time I was leaving, I was dealing with like the city of St. Albert, Northwest college. Yeah. Yeah. And all these different groups. Like my boss converted the Oilers from uh, Coke to Pepsi. That's right. These are huge accounts. Like, and that's the thing with Pepsi. Like you can just, you know, it was, it was cool because of the access and then also all the programming and marketing stuff. Like they own the Super Bowl halftime show. They do all this cool stuff with like the Super Bowl and, and you just get, you know, access to cool shit. Like I love Batman and they, they rented out a theater for us to, uh, to get all this Batman swag and Superman swag when Superman V Batman came out in 2016. (laughs) And I just remember being like, this is like awesome. You know, like (laughs) if you're just, we're hawking Dr. Pepper and we get free Batman shit, you know? So I was like, (laughs) I gotta say Dr. Pepper, one of the most unique pops on the market. Hey, like, like, would you agree? Like like 23 flavors, flavors, you know, just all this shit in it, whatever. Yeah, fun fact, Dr. Pepper is its own company in Texas. Yeah. So it's uh, they pay Pepsi to distribute it, but in Texas, it's its own company. Like, it's separate from PepsiCo. But they don't want to pay for all the sales reps and all the fucking back end. So outside of the state of Texas, they actually just, like... They just contracted out Yeah, they contracted to PepsiCo to distribute it. That's that's phenomenal. I mean, I don't know. I, I have so many buddies who, like, they're like, Dr. Pepper is, like, my favorite. Like, with, yeah. like, you know, and... Being a Pepsi sales rep, like back in the day, I've really gotten to learn like their product portfolio and stuff. Uh, and I've learned, you know, I know Mug Root Beer is kind of the the big. There's there's a bunch of memes about Mug Root Beer right now that are like going yeah. popping off <laughs> on the internet. Like they're they they call them uh, the Mug Maniacs. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it's kind of crazy uh, just seeing the how much Pepsi and Coke really dominate the market. I think yeah. that's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it was it was so funny. I used to like just flex on the Coke reps all the time. And, <laughs> you know, when I did the retail side before I went to food service, I used to just see Coke reps all the time. And yeah, just yeah, talk yeah. Shit to them, be like, I, I run this store, buddy. Your rack is pathetic, bro. Get out of <laughs> get out of my spot, bro. Anyways, I'd flex on them all the time, and it was good time. Just throw up the throw up the guns on them, right? But yeah, uh, to this day, I bleed blue. You know, like I don't let any of my family members have Coke in the house. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Everywhere I go, I just infiltrate them with Pepsi. Products. Oh, for like, sure. Even at my current job, my cur- current gig is like real estate development. I got everyone in the office drinking bubbly now. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I find <laughs> you know it's funny. Uh, <laughs> we joked around. Not to, I remember. Didn't you tell me at some point that like bubbly? You call bubbly like boomer juice? Isn't it? Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, when we were um, in fraternity together, uh, we were uh, it, during my, uh, you know, pledging 
or whatever we yeah. were we were a band of brothers and we were all together and we kind of had to bring our supplies for one night and i bought uh two or three cases of bubbly <laughs> started distributing it to the to, yeah yeah to my brothers and they're like what's this and i'm like but it's boomer juice I was, the, <laughs> I was the old man right so uh you know i a uh, little, little backdrop on me before i went to pepsi i went to school for three years and i dropped out because i got cold feet and I said, I don't know what I'm doing in this degree and all this and that. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to go to learn about business because I was like, I want to learn about business. So uh, ended up at Pepsi and went down that whole you know corporate ladder thing and loved it. And then I decided, you know, I only have a year left and I actually like do enjoy my degree. I do enjoy sports management and all this stuff. So I come back and uh, come back to the university and I end up because of this relationship with both Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I uh, ended up pledging uh, with Fiji and uh, Phi Gamma Delta and uh, just uh, going through that whole process. But by the time I get back there, I'm like 28 years old. So, <laughs> you know, I drop out when I'm 22, come back when I'm 28. Sure. So I'm like a 28 year old pledge and all these other youths are like, all my buddies are like <laughs> they're, 19. They're all youths. They're all youths. <laughs> yeah. 18, 19 years old. I'm like 10 years their senior and having a great time. And But I've always... I mean, you know, I don't know when I'm going to be listening to this and uh, I don't know who's going to be listening to this, but I think it's important to have a young heart. Um, Frank Sinatra said, uh, you, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be young at heart. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to have a childlike, uh, energy and attitude in life. Cause I think it gets, uh, you know, it's a more attractive spirit to run through life with. But anyways, I'm 28 years old at the fraternity and I'm hawking bubbly to all the fucking pledges. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, they're like, Akeem, you're such a boomer. I'm like, yeah, well, this is boomer juice. Enjoy. So. Yeah, no. And you know, it's funny because you, uh, you also got me on bubbly and <laughs> by proxy has gotten my mom on bubbly. There so, we go. Let's go. <laughs> it's uh no, I think uh, I remember that day when I trained with you, you gave me like a strawberry bubbly and that was like my first time like having it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, what's this like sparkling water shit? Like, yeah. you, you I used know what I'm to keep, I used to keep, <laughs> I used to keep so many products in my car, man. It was just like a bottle depot. I remember people would come in and I would just like, uh, give them a kickstart Mountain Dew or yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Pepper. <laughs> but I always had those drinks in my car. So I would never take the bottles out for like months and months. And I just have this like three or four bags yeah. of the cans and bottles <laughs> and shit in my back seat. <laughs> I'd like go to the bottle depot and get like literally 70 bucks. Yeah. Fucking right. You know, yeah, so it not? was, it was great, but yeah, man, I, <laughs> I hope Pepsi's listened to this and sends me a check of all the business. I've been, <laughs> yeah. Pepsi, Neil, I love you, buddy. Shout you know, out to Neil. Shout yeah. out to Neil. He's uh he's one of the, one of the OGs there at Pepsi. So yeah. Hired me without a degree. I mean, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of cool because, you know, I had it on my, on my resume at the time, it said, uh, three years, uh, going back to school, uh, after I found myself or something along those lines or, uh, uh, income, uh, you know, not completed degree. And, uh, I guess they looked at my resume after I interviewed and because I, I'm a Keen Brown, Brown sugar, so <laughs> Supreme, uh, Hell yeah. Mac daddy put a little bit of sugar on them. Yes, sir. They had to look at the resume and be like, Oh shit, this guy doesn't have a degree but he wowed us so we'll take him anyways no that's that's good took shit. a leap of faith and sometimes you know you got to look it's like in the draft you know the guy might not have like the uh four three forty or the 48 inch vert but uh you have all the fundamentals and the intangibles absolutely that's what it takes 100 percent, 100 percent. one of so you know with, with this pepsi talk and whatever <laughs> one one question that one question they asked me in the interview was and it was the last question in the interview. I, I I kid you not. To this day, I'm like that is the most unique question I've ever gotten in a job interview. What is your favorite Pepsi product? 
Oh really? What'd you say? <laughs> uh, I think I said Tropicana. I'm 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 personally an orange juice guy. Like yeah. I love orange juice. Uh, shout out to my buddy Ryan Beerfind, the Citrus King. Uh, he's <laughs> the Citrus uh, King. He's uh, he's big on the uh, the OJ, and uh, I I am too. I do. I am a an average orange juice enjoyer, as they say. So, well, what's yours, Akeem? What's your what's your favorite? It's got to be product? bubbly, uh, bubbly for sure. Um, for the last year I was working there, it was actually Mountain Dew Kickstart Orange because mm-hmm. twenty grams of sugar. So the thing, <laughs> all Pepsi products is of course the sugar, but yeah, uh, like the Wayne Gretzky quote, you got to go to where the puck is going. They decided to pivot as a company big time and innovate into like 30% of their portfolio being uh, non-sugar consumable. So like things that had like less than 10 grams of sugar in them, yeah. water, sparkling water, kombucha, all that kind of shit. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I never had drank one Pepsi the full four years I worked there. Yeah. I never drank one. I never what? drank one soda. If I did have a soda, it was a diet Pepsi or something like that. Okay. Okay. But uh, to answer your question, the last year it was Mountain Dew Kickstart. And ever since then, it's been every flavor of bubbly. Right now, I'm on the pineapple bubbly kick. Okay. Nice. Nice. Good for you. Good for you. I think, you know, it's 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 funny for me, like just reflecting on, you know, it's been about three years now since like I worked there. And, you know, that like, like for me, I always be grateful for Pepsi just because like that was the, the first company to like give me my like first stake in the professional world. You know what I mean? Like right. this was like your first kick of the can like working a big boy job you know per se and it's funny you know we talk about how like the sugar and shit like i remember when i was working there i was drinking so many energy drinks i was <laughs> i was i was you know my sugar intake really went up those eight months that i was there <laughs> yeah bro you were on that uh what do you call it that you were on that papa john's pizza testing <laughs> yeah the meat peps. sweats <laughs> you're on you're on the soda sweats but. i was the soda sweats yeah you know maybe uh <laughs> maybe i'll pull a i'll pull a papa john or uh a bob Stoffer and uh sweat out some extra virgin olive oil yeah yeah uh, 30 pepsis th- in 30 days <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know you know how papa john was like big ball on the 40 pizzas in 30 days like maybe for me it's like 40 pe- pepsis in 30 days you know? yeah you, you just start sweating pepsi man it's just uh <laughs> <laughs> no that's great that's well, great buddy, yeah. no you know it's, it's it's funny you know they're reflecting on our our first day together because i remember like it started off just like you know yeah nice to meet you whatever and then all of a sudden we yeah, start talking eh? about yeah eh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll get to the toronto stuff in a bit but uh, i remember i remember we were you know, it came. It got came from a point of like, you know, nice to meet you. To like, yo, like, we, you like basketball. Like, I like basketball. You like football. You know, you like sports. You like rap. You know, and it just like became like we just kind of broed out. You know, it was it was it was crazy. I remember coming home from work that day. I'm like, oh, I met this guy Akeem, and I'm like, yo, this guy is fucking sick. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. I mean, I remember uh, uh, you were like, when I was like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, I'm going to the Oilers game with my girl. I'm like, oh, damn, <laughs> this guy. This guy's got it all together, man. <laughs> you know, business school. You know, he's wheeling and dealing during the day, showing up at night, eating, showing up and showing up. Bowl size of the fa. You know, like this guy knows. What, this guy's got the juice. You know. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And it's 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 crazy how um, you know things evolved from from that. You know, yeah. I remember you texting me you're like, yeah, I'm going back to school. Like, you know, you got the fraternity house and stuff. Check it out and. I think our friendship really just kind of took off from there. And, yeah. you know, we went to Toronto together, caught a Raptors game, you know, all that good stuff. It was uh Yeah. And crazy. I mean, now, you know, we, we play basketball together and yeah. shoot hoops and all that kind of stuff. I stay active, uh, hot boy summer every year, <laughs> all this and that, go to the public parks and, you know, yeah. continue to grow together. I mean, a little bit of an age difference, but like sure. I was saying earlier, it's about 
my heart will always be young. Yeah. So if anything, you got to be young. You got to keep up to my youngness. Yeah. You know oh, I mean? absolutely. Yeah. No, <laughs> you might be the youngest, uh, you know, older, older guy. I'm 30. I know. Yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think about, you know, how many times we've hooped together and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, this, this guy, this guy's an OG. This, this guy is just a young boy. He's a young blood yeah. at heart. Yeah, yeah, Em- you- Edmonton young boy, <laughs> <laughs> never, never broke again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, NBA Edmonton young boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's great, man. It's uh, it, I think I, I think where we really connected to is like the fact that like we love sports and we love like like rap music and yeah, I know oh, Drake's Drake, kinda, yeah. Drake, Drake's kind of you know that was the first one of the first things we talked about that day. It was like. Yo, like I love Drake. Like, what was your favorite album? Like, I was like, nothing was the same, probably. You know, and I, I know, I know you love your, your nothing was the same annual binge. So September twenty fourth, man. Every year, I mean, this is uh, actually you saved me one year. I think it was the year during the pandemic. I was in Ottawa and I completely forgot because I was just like working construction with my dad. And uh, you texted me. You're like, oh, happy nothing was the same day. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. So. I, I went to Walmart, hawked a CD, and then I threw it in the disc, and I just drove around Ottawa for the next hour. I love it. I thank, love it. I got to thank you forever because I almost missed my Ottawa uh, Ute. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise I don't listen to it. Like yeah. with the things I really truly love in life, I like to um, I like to give my chance. I like to give myself a chance to miss it. So, for example, the Bat uh, the Dark Knight is my favorite Batman movie, and yeah. I, in order for me to miss it and to really appreciate it i'll only watch it once a year july 18th the year it came out in 2000 that's awesome man. so every july 18th it's like earmarked to watch batman and every september 24th it's like earmarked to listen to nothing was the same so i have a bunch of dates like that so that i continue to appreciate the the art that i believe is like so important to me yeah and you just keep it in moderation kind of thing you know yeah exactly i mean i i do this with a lot of new songs i hear these days where it's like if I hear it and I like it, I I listen to it until like I'm bored of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. you. Know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it goes on a it goes on my like rotational playlist. Yeah, and then I almost I almost like listen my way out of the song. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's like okay, oh, this song is awesome, and then it's on in the morning, in the afternoon, at work, after <laughs> night, in the shower, and then uh, two or three days later, I'm like, hey, what's the next new song I like? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. But for these other things that are special to me, like the Dark Knight. And, nothing yeah. was the same and all these other stuff i like to just once a year once a year and then it's like it, it's almost like going to your favorite restaurant if you went every week it wouldn't be your favorite restaurant anymore you got to go once every three four months sure kind of sure thing. sure break it up what uh so what's your favorite song on nothing was the same then if you know i, oh. I, I my, my listeners know how much i love drake uh akeem loves drake just as much as i do uh what so i'm curious what your favorite song would be on that i like from time oh yeah Gene uh, Aiko yeah <laughs> yeah because uh you know he it, it's a song it's a rap and it's also like uh it's almost like a sonnet I don't know like she's uh, it's beautiful it's yeah. a beautiful song and I mean Wu-Tang forever like I mean like I love everything on the album but uh yeah those two come to mind and then uh, I like I like the uh I like the Jay-Z um the pound cake oh yeah uh, that yeah. was that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's classic epic. Um, but yeah, really everything, man. And then, you know, worst behavior is probably the most mainstream. And then, you know, the, obviously the, um, uh, started from the bottom, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, the one that is kind of like not really discussed a lot is the from time. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That's a super underrated track. And I'm glad you brought up the, you know, worst behavior and like start from the bottom because the music videos for those two songs in particular, I think are super goaded. 
like uh, worst behavior is just like drake's just like on his like you know he's talking his shit like whatever and um start from the bottom like, i remember they, they shot that in like a goddamn shopper's drug mart that's <laughs> lit man that's how it's supposed to be that's so canadian bro that's Listen, so canadian that's what that's what resonates man like if i was going to be doing a nothing was the same video it, or uh sorry if i was going to be doing a start from the bottom video it would be like in an earl's dishwashing pit oh yeah Did yeah, I, yeah. that's where i started right yeah i remember i listened to your your episode uh your your podcast on you know earls yeah, and, yeah. and stuff I, I got a good laugh out of that that was <laughs> that was fun can you you know maybe for my listeners who haven't listened to akeem's show yet which you should check it out by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna plug his show here thanks but man. uh speak to your experience on earls you know I, I i've listened to it a little bit but you know if you can give like the the quick coles notes version quick of that. coles notes okay well anyone who has never worked in a kitchen should work in a kitchen if you're like under if you were not set on what you want to do yet in life because i think the whole saying if you can't handle the fire get out of the kitchen is true yep uh and also you get a respect for the kitchen environment which is important because you'll be going to restaurants the rest of your life and the next time you want to talk shit to a server at least you understand what they're going back <laughs> in the back of house yeah so anyways i got a job at earl's and sure park and i was a dish dishwasher guy and uh a lot of shit is funny about this this is like 2006 and 2007 so frosting was not illegal yet bullying was not illegal yet uh you know all this kind of onboarding shit was not illegal so i used to get like uh i used to get taken to the back room and uh over overpowered by two or three other dudes and put my head into a horseradish until i cried or damn i used okay. to i used to like uh get my get pantsed and then they would spray my pant spray my underwear with uh the washer in, a, in the <laughs> oh, dishwashing pit, and then uh, your pants are soaked, and then they tell you to take the garbage out in minus thirty, yeah. and then your 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 pants like freeze to your ball sack. So it's like <laughs> it's the worst. Anyway, so you go through all these experiences, uh, and then uh, you know you you get you get promoted to the Appy line, and the Appy line is like the easiest station tech quote quote unquote on the uh on the food line so you're in there making apps like you're uh, you're at the di you're at the deep fryer you're deep frying calamari you're deep frying fried chicken you're deep frying all these different kinds of things and you're also making like sushi wraps and very yeah. simple stuff yeah yeah and i remember my first week there i was just getting flamed alive quite literally uh and uh <laughs> so the way it works is you get this you get a you get an order come in it uh, gets generated and then a receipt comes and it gets put on this slot. This like think of like this whole line and row of receipts. And the way it works is that you have to do them based on the order they come in, in or how long it takes to cook them. So if a steak comes in after a calamari, you're going to want to put the steak down even though it came in after the calamari because the calamari takes 30 seconds and the steak takes like yeah. 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of like understand how things how long things take to cook. You also have to understand uh, prioritization based on uh, the order in which the bills come in. So you're learning a lot of skills on the fly because these are all skills that kind of scale up if you're doing finance or business or physics or I don't even know what the fuck you're doing. But <laughs> you have to be able to prioritize and like manage things on the fly and in the in the heat of the kitchen. And yeah. that is a skill I learned when I was 14 years old. And I was like, this is before I started playing quarterback. So it was a huge, really useful skill to learn uh baptism by fire if you will but anyway sure i used to like get a bill not prioritize it forget about it and then the server would come around be like hey where's the calamari I'd be like oh shit i forgot and they'd be like this fucking table's losing their mind they ordered <laughs> calamari like 10 minutes ago and me as a youth i was like oh shit like and i was like d devastated like scarred for life yeah like yeah, this is the end of my world like my yeah. life because you're getting paid and everyone's like relying on you and you're fucking it up and uh 
you know, or wouldn't roll the sushi enough and then it would just unravel as soon as it got to the table and they'd be like, what the fuck? And, like, <laughs> and then the server comes back and they're just flaming you alive. And it's like the thing you ever heard of Murphy's law, uh, thing, uh, bad things happen in threes. Well, in the kitchen, bad things happen in tens yeah. and twenties. Yeah. So I can it, imagine if you fuck up like one thing, 10, nine more things are going to fuck. <laughs> sure. Up. Sure. <laughs> it's almost like a domino cascading effect. So, I mean, that whole episode, I kind of outlined all the funny things about the kitchen, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie and everyone kind of has each other's back. Yeah. It's so. kind of a brotherhood almost. Exactly. Yeah. And or slash sisterhood. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun and I used to tell the story about how, um, you know, I was just reaching puberty at the time and I was like starting to look at girls and <laughs> at Earl's and Joey's and these restaurants. I mean, it's a runway, like the yeah. women are beautiful. Yeah. And I remember just being in awe, like, Oh my God. And, but I didn't know how to talk to them or anything like that. I was 13, right. Or 14. Yeah. So I was just like staring at them and they would catch me staring and be like, Keem, like, come on, <laughs> go back to work. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, that's where, uh, that's where you learned your game. Well, that's, that's where that's where uh that's like the um the hosting ground like you know well the first lesson i learned was don't stare you know yeah you gotta learn how to use the the mirrors and the peripherals and <laughs> you gotta be cool man because you yeah, see you guys cool. see guys who stare at girls and they're 30 years old i'm like you never worked in the kitchen did you because if you worked in the kitchen you would have learned that you can't just stare at chicks like outright like you're yeah. creepy as hell that's some life experience yeah so work in the kitchen if you haven't already but yeah all right. Well, I have not worked in a kitchen, so uh, you know, interesting enough. But it is what it is. I, I think, uh, you know, I think for you, speak hearing from your experience, it definitely sounds like like a lot of people. You know, I find a lot of like teenagers and and whatnot. Like they get into jobs just because like oh, I gotta make money and like I yeah. gotta like you know start to support myself. But it's like it seems like you've actually gotten something tangible out of that experience so you know what i'm saying well it wasn't intentional right it was just like it was a it was a job my but my friends got me and but uh at the same time i just wanted to be around my buddies and i wanted the i want to learn how to cook uh and uh at the time i had a girlfriend who had a pretty big appetite so i used to have to like take her out for dinners and stuff and, you know go <laughs> i know where to go <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. uh anyways so we would yeah. just uh that's yeah. classy. I mean, I my, my paychecks weren't huge. I was making like six bucks an hour plus yeah. tips. The tips were awesome because it was all cash. And, you know, I would, uh, but all my money, like 90% of it went to like my dates with the girlfriend I had at the time <laughs> and then beer that I would get somebody who was like 19 to bootleg for me. But yeah, man, back in the days, my misspent youth, share park shenanigans and all that kind of stuff. You know? I think, uh, you know what? I, I respect that because, you know, you're, you're 14, 15 years old at the time. You're, I remember people going on dates at that age like where'd you go for a date and they're like 7-eleven i'm like what like, <laughs> you know so earl's pretty fancy enough you know like like even to this day i'd take girls to earl's well so. i didn't take her i didn't necessarily take her there all the time i would take her there maybe once or twice but then i would take her to boston pizza which was a big deal like <laughs> that's like a fucking 45 dollar bill and when yeah. you're 14 and you make 45 bucks and like two shit like not two shifts but like let's say one shift you make 45 50 bucks that's like six or seven hours yeah. of your life yeah. to, 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 to have one romantic dinner. Yeah. And you, and she may not even like, you know, kiss you later. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I had a, I had a funny conversation with my roommate, Sungwoo, uh, not so long ago about, uh, Boston pizza. And, uh, Sungwoo's from a small, like a small, like Alberta town. So like he was, he was telling me like the, the, like the signal of an Alberta town is like, if a Boston pizza is there, 
Like Plaza Pizza has a stronghold on the small Albertan market. Yeah, they cornered the market, man. You go to any of these small towns, as soon as they get a BP, like it's like their inauguration for because that's like I think that's where they made a lot of their inroads. Like it's uh, they cornered the market on that rural kind of demographic of of families who don't want to drive to Edmonton for a nice meal. Yeah, you know, you could take your kids there. It's not a weird thing to take for a sit down restaurant. It's very accommodating to kids. Like they have a whole kids menu. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So it's like it's like it's like the Pixar of restaurants. That's a that's like, a really good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh it's it's funny enough too because um like the CEO of Boston Pizza is like this big like business person like he's on Dragons Den and yeah he was um, a RCMP officer yeah he actually opened the first Boston Pizza in Edmonton in the seventies yeah. yeah it's on White Ave here yeah, yeah. and yeah. he also opened the, the started the Mister Lou franchise oh did so, he okay yeah he was an R- so he was an RCMP officer and he would drive around and he would see hey there's nowhere for me and my fellow cops to sit down and have a meal and there's nowhere for us to get our oil changed so he was very entrepreneurial entrepreneurial and those are two huge franchises that started here in Edmonton it's crazy too because uh, his kid is the GM of the Calgary Flames so oh my god wow yeah quite the family that's the Alberta success story man. that's an Alberta success story without holy a doubt, smokes so. you go there for Christmas it's like this guy started Boston Pizza and Mr. Lube and his son is the freaking GM of the Flames <laughs> like holy smokes like that's wild yeah exactly so you know it's it's crazy um, but you know I mean we, we've talked a little bit you know now about your work experience and stuff like that like now you're kind of you've had so many experiences like I always I always like especially because my mom listens to your show a lot actually shout out um, to your mom (laughs) shout out to my mama she's a number one person woman in my life but uh i i I always say to people like whenever i I talk about you i'm like this guy is so fucking interesting like he's like the the (laughs) desecchi's man you know he's like he's like the most interesting person in the world like and uh you know you got a hell of a lot of projects going on right now you know you I know you're coding, you're learning how to code, yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yeah. like whatever. Uh, you know, let's 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 explore that a little, you know, like what's what's going on. We'll start with the coding, you know, like that's that's uh, I know uh, a big part. Uh, we we were watching like an NBA statistics video before this uh, recording, but yeah. Uh, so I saw a quote about a year ago and some guy from Anchor Forbes was like <sighs> Data and machine learning and AI is the new electricity. So if you think about how electricity has changed the world 100 years ago, I see machine learning, AI, computer-enabled uh, intelligence. Uh, I see that as the new electricity where okay. it, it is functionality based on um, and also efficiency uh, initiatives based on data and based on uh, computing power. And you know we're we're smarter than computers and we're more creative than computers but up to a limit because uh there's like you reach a threshold as a human where there's so much data you just can't uh see this through line through all of it and uh you can't necessarily compile and connect all the dots so uh yeah i decided to take a course this year and um for me education is one of those things where it's like you can never get enough of it and it always compounds and yeah you want you want data to compound in your mind because nobody can take it away from you right i think that's the whole principle of getting a degree is nobody can take that away from you so I decided to take a course through MIT called uh, Applied Data Science, and you learn about machine learning, AI, and you learn about computing, and you learn about uh, all these different, all these different kinds of uh, approaches to handling data and then making conclusions off that data. So, yeah, I, I started this program back in February. I was talking to my dad, and he's like, Akeem, like you could, uh, you know, you should always be thinking about kind of what you're gonna, how you're gonna make yourself more valuable. 
um, sure. in the market, right? So yeah. yeah, you have this experience, you know how to talk to people, get with people, all this stuff. But you, like, got the people, a, you got the soft skills. You got the soft <laughs> skills down. Like there's no more, yeah. you don't need to do another course on that or you don't need to do any kind of more books on that. I mean, you still got to refine it and keep the wheels greased, whatever, but you know, you should probably learn something more technical. Yeah. So I decided to, I've always wanted to learn STEM, by the way. Like when I was in high school, I didn't have the marks in math and chem and bio and calculus <laughs> yeah. to get into like a STEM program at the U of A. Like I barely got in, but uh, I wasn't necessarily as focused as I am now on um, uh, math. And as a foundation, math wasn't necessarily my strong suit back in the day, but I actually am de pretty decent at math. Uh, the only thing is I just didn't know I was. Um, maybe yeah. someone told me or something I, something I failed at and they were like planted that seed and they said, oh, Akeem, you're not gonna be good at math. You're, you're a jock, stay to sports and all this. And maybe some part of me believe that, but like I've totally reversed that narrative and I totally think I'm smart enough to handle sure. any kind of math algorithm now and all that kind of stuff and uh, math principles. Anyway, so I've always been interested in STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, uh, uh, physics, um, <laughs> anything that applies to the real world, yeah, um, how yeah. things are built, how Absolutely. things are made, uh, looking at something and say, hey, how is it made or how... You know, how, you know, how does that work and how can I make it better? Like that kind of, that kind of worldview. And, uh, when it comes to how can I, how does that work and how can I make it better? I think nothing is more relevant than machine learning, AI, and these kinds of th mm -hmm. principles, because that is the software, if you will, behind every single mechanism, right? The internet yeah. of things, yeah. prop tech, fintech, cryptocurrency, uh, the blockchain, yeah. uh, all these different kinds of applications and real world, um, uh, innovations they're all backed up by what i'm learning in this course so uh yeah i'm doing this course it's been extremely hard i mean when you're learning about uh you know the whole program is based around a computer programming language called python and python yeah is python a, yeah python is uh it's a it's a language that's relatively simple when it comes to the syntax like the syntax is pretty comprehensible like it's like when you're learning french and a lot of the french words are similar to english words mm -hmm. but obviously they're pronounced differently and they might be longer or shorter or they might have feminine incantations or masculine incantations. It's the same with programming in Python. And the hardest thing is computational thinking, like learning how to think, learning how the computer thinks and how to direct, tell the computer exactly what you want to get the information you want. Um, and then also the actual hardcore skill of programming, which is extremely, uh, you know, I'm not even probably 20% of the way there as far as yeah. like the skill set actually to be able to, I can code, but like I'm extremely slow <laughs> and I don't think I'll ever be like world-class fast. And I don't think that's the purpose of the program for no, me. No, I think I want to understand the theory. I want to understand at least what I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Like if I was going to be learning French, I'm less concerned about being able to speak every word, word for word. I'm more, I'm more uh, worried about or more focused on understanding language. Sure. So sure. if I can hear, so, so if two French people are having a conversation in front of me, do I understand what they're saying? Yeah. And if I'm looking at some code in Python, um, I might not be able to like type it out without taking four or five hours of my life, uh, <laughs> but like super fast, yeah. but I do know what I'm looking at. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of what my goal is with the program is sure. to know what I'm looking at when I see, uh, you know, um, uh, like a code um, and you know whether it's numpy or arrays or whatever it is and just being able to like digest it be like hey this what is the goal what kind of conclusions are we try to draw from the data yeah and then uh, apply it in the real world and uh, make better decisions so what would you say is the like the most important thing you've learned so far 
like from coding? Oh man, I mean, the, probably the most important thing is computational thinking. Like, what is what do you want the computer to do? Yeah, and uh, uh, what <laughs> you know, what kind of conclusions are you trying to draw from the data? Uh, and then you know, you have to understand the context. So that's probably the biggest thing because you could write one line of code or you could write twenty lines of code, and it just depends on what you actually are trying to achieve. So mm-hmm. I think there's a the biggest thing is learning to think like a computer to tell it what it, tell the computer what you want it to do that's probably the biggest thing i've learned so far and then you know uh, i'm only halfway through the program so we're on machine learning right now yeah but, uh you know coming up soon is uh like um reference systems and then sorry referral systems uh neural networks and deep learning so i'm sure i'll learn something really profound in those things but uh yeah um that computers are faster um, than us looking at large <laughs> things of data, but uh, but the big one thing that I learned too is that like computers aren't creative, right? Like, yeah, they're not going to be able to uh, write symphonies or anything like that, or uh, they're not going to they're not going to out creative, they're not going to out create us, um, but they will be able to out compute us. That's that's phenomenal. Like that that's just so like eye opening. Just knowing like I don't even know how to describe it. Like like the capabilities of like a computer versus like you know, like a human being. Like I, I think about, you know, when I, I'm a hockey coach, right. And I think about, uh, even growing up, just always being taught that like the puck travels faster than the player. Right. And I I feel like we can kind of apply that same sort of idea when it comes to, you know, coding and when it comes to like just computers and AI, you know, versus like sort of the human sort of brain. Like it's, it's, it's crazy how they, how much they can accomplish in like, you know, just a certain amount of time, I think. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, leveraging computers is like leveraging technology or fossil fuels or fusion or whatever. Yeah. It's it's just the fulcrum, man. I mean, you got to be able to use a uh, like effective fulcrums in your life to leverage whatever. And uh, I mean, like I said, this is the new electricity. And I I totally believe that. I mean, think about the world before electricity and then afterwards. <laughs> like it was a seismic shift. Sure. I think that's like sure. we're in that kind of wave right now. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, let's uh, let's shift gears here a little. You know, we've talked a little now about your coding life and you know what you've learned and stuff. It, it's super super fascinating. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think, you know, that's I've I've met a lot of people in my life that I'm like, you know, like they they tell me about like coding and like my my dad was a comp sci major. Oh, sweet. Um, you know, in university and he, I, you know, I've I've heard you know things through the gra- grapevine here and there and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, like that's that's something that like I could totally see myself like taking up in like you know a couple of years for sure. Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. You do a comp sci degree, or you could just do one of these little courses like I'm doing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's totally. To- I think you got to think about ten years from now. What oh, kind of without skills a are, doubt. You know, so I think it's just if you're not going to do it voluntarily now, you will be forced to do it. <laughs> yeah, you got to think ahead of the game, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's you know I think about you know we always talk about sports and stuff. It's like the best the best organizations are always ones that are thinking ahead of the game, right? Yeah. And speaking of sports, I mean, like I was a basketball coach like eight years eight years ago, um, Elk Island Catholic School, St. Teresa Hawks. Shout out, we won a championship. Hell yeah, twenty twelve. Hell yeah. Uh, but uh, you know you think about sports where the puck is going 10 years from now uh you know sports is starting to uh adopt all these anal- um oh yeah. all these things the analytics Machine man. learning it's the analytics like and i mean you gotta measure you gotta kind of gotta match that with 
the on the field product yep. and yep. the actual person and the culture and all that stuff. But at the same time, man, the numbers don't lie, right? Numbers don't lie. Do you, did you watch? Uh, did you ever watch the movie Moneyball? Of course, man. Yeah, that's that's I I, Billy I, I said Bean. this. I have Billy Bean. I said this uh, on my show not too long ago, but like that is like one of my favorite movies like ever, and uh, I I think that movie is such like a perfect microcosm of like the future of where you know not only just sports but like in general things are going it's right? sports management porn that's what it was. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly you know the jonah hill here <laughs> typing up 52 pages of reports on players and yeah. looking at spreadsheets and shit like that yeah for sure i mean it's but you're right to your point i mean uh, all jokes aside it's it's totally where the world's going um, I know there's some GMs in in pro sports leagues that only look at analytics. Yes, they don't yes. look at. They don't even. <laughs> they don't even send scouts to look at the players. They just yeah. look at the the, the spreadsheets. Yeah, it's it's crazy uh, how kind of the trend shifting. I guess nowadays, uh, I I'm I'm a believer that there needs to be still a kind of a mix of like the eye test versus you know the statistics. But um, I I do think like that's where the trend is going. Is like you know stats and being able to crunch those numbers and like make an informed like guess or like an informed opinion off those numbers. Exactly. Yeah. And then also a big thing back to what you asked me, what the most important thing was, I think it's like knowing what's what information to ignore. That's yeah. A big thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're probably bombarded with information. Well, yeah. When you look at the, the information that you could pump out by putting in a formula in Python, like, does this is this information even relevant like is it relevant yeah, yeah. so yeah. knowing what to it's like knowing what to say no to in life it's like probably the most important thing you're gonna do yeah yeah sure for sure it's funny because i find especially on my job like you know we talked a little earlier about like you know starting my career and stuff i'm like i find like right now a lot of it is like sorting out what is in relevant information because a lot of my a lot of like my job's like research-based right and it's kind of like you know what's what's relevant versus like what is not and how can I put that relevant information into like an easy to digest form, if that makes sense. 100%, man. And you're bang on to uh, to have that approach. Because if you include all the information and then say that it's all equally important, then, you know, it's almost like uh, the whole idea of um, uh, people, everyone's special. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, no, because if everyone's special, nobody's special. Yeah, exactly. And if all the information is unique, then none of it's unique. Sure. So sure. you got to have, you got to be a little bit prejudiced when you're looking at data. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, that, that, that's some, that's some great knowledge to, you know, take from, for, for my listeners out here who maybe are trying to get into the AI space or, you know, coding or whatnot. I think that's really important, but let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we'll, we'll move on here to, you know, your Brazilian jujitsu journey. I know we've, You've talked a little bit about it on your last podcast, but I'm curious just to know um, yeah. how's that been going? You know, how's how's it been learning the skills? You know, how's it been like actually like going against and sparring someone else and stuff like that? Yeah, so Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is one of the hardest physical endeavors I've ever taken up. It's it's I, I equate it to drowning slowly. Um, okay, so because. <laughs> It's a lot of grappling, push, pulling, uh, and then you know you're trying to essentially handle all the extremities. So your legs, you have two two arms, two legs, and a neck. And jujitsu is about compromising at least one of those. Interesting. And making sure, like, <laughs> isolating that from your control, and then twisting it or contorting it or getting you in the way that you have to tap. And it's it's fun, but the first I would say month. It's pretty ego shattering. I would <laughs> I can say, imagine. like I've done psychedelic drugs where, like, <laughs> you you go into the forest and you, yeah, yeah, you do so, you, you know, it's, it's meant to destroy your ego. This is like that on steroids. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, j- Brazilian jiu-jitsu is like psychedelics on steroids while drowning. God damn. <laughs> Jeez. It's wild. But okay. It, it, but honestly, um, if you are looking to develop yourself or look for meaning, like the search of meaning, Victor Frank, but you will, going the whole idea of going through struggle and coming out the other side is profound because when you're going through the first month of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're constantly getting choked. You're constantly getting tapped out. Yeah. You're constantly being compromised. And it doesn't matter how hard you try. They just know how the body works better than you when it comes to contorting and pulling and grappling and uh, and just all these different angles and structures of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's definitely eye-opening, man. I yeah. mean, especially if you're an athletic person. Um, I guess the only thing that would help you going into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is having amazing endurance. Yeah. Because if your cardiovascular abilities are fucking top-notch, then at least you won't, it won't feel like you're drowning as much. Sure, sure. Because you'll be able to at least keep your keep like keep breathing and stuff. But it, if you're out of shape and <laughs> going there with a huge ego, <laughs> you might just move to a different country. I don't know. It seems like an awfully humbling experience. Like I, you know, I think of when I start, started playing like basketball like very consistently, and I'm like, you know, I, I, I hop into these pickup games and I'm getting like absolutely freaking cooked by these by, the, oh, by yeah. these dudes. Like I feel like it's the same sort of idea. Like, well, here's the truth about life, folks. Anything you start new from scratch you're gonna suck (laughs) yeah you just yeah that's just like part of it like you might have natural talent sure um and that that's possible but you're still gonna suck you're even you're you're gonna suck through your talent and i mean because that's just the beginner's mindset you just have to embrace that so and and it's funny you mentioned that because uh you know i I mentioned to you i recorded a pod with my buddies yesterday like on we were talking about the nba and whatever and completely different subject but like one thing i had mentioned on that podcast and also on my March Madness podcast was like, you need to learn how to lose before you learn how to win. And you 100%. know, you gotta, you gotta own your L's. You gotta take a couple L's before you take a W. That's kind of yeah. the, the thing. I mean, this is the duality of life. Um, a great philosopher by the name of Curtis Jackson, AKA 50 cent once said, Hey, sunny days wouldn't feel special if it wasn't for rain. Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. <laughs> Death gotta be easy because life is hard. It will leave you physically, mentally, and emotionally scarred. Oh, absolutely. So this is the point of life. Like uh, the sweetness doesn't taste as good without the bitterness. And I think that when you're starting stuff, you're supposed to suck so that when you don't suck, it you know you have that sense of oh, okay, I overcame it and I accomplished. That's real shit, man. For real, I, I I'm glad you brought up the Fifty Cent uh, reference because that is one of the greatest rap album slash rap songs of all time so i'm, I'm oh, appreciative yeah. of that um but i'm curious to know like um how's like the jujitsu like community like how how's it like yeah. you know when i when i think about like basketball community for example um i always go back to basketball because like i love basketball and that's kind of my thing you know but i remember like going into it, even like over the summers when i like join pickup games i'm like you know I, I'm, I'm starting to learn out whatever like I'm, I'm still and you know i mentioned to you you know i'm playing in a league now and uh i'm learning the game a lot more on the fly but like every step along the way i found that like people you know i always tell people like i'm new to this like bear with me whatever and they're just like it's cool man like whatever just yeah, come play that's I'm the right attitude to, i'm curious to, how, to see how it's like in the jiu-jitsu community i can only speak to, as far as the community goes i don't know much about the actual culture jiu-jitsu outside of the gym i went to i only went to one gym but when it comes to uh the gym i went to I had the exact same attitude you just described. Yeah. Hey, I'm just here to learn. I'm, I'm excited. Um, yeah. I'm completely green. And they were totally down to be like, hey, like every, they, they even said Akeem's new, like be go go 50% on them or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like 
if you go in there with the mentality like you're just tough as shit and you're just going to kick the shit oh, out of that's everybody, humbling. They're they're going to put you in adult timeout. Like they're just <laughs> they're going to just like hey, they're going to put you in the they're going to put you in the in the doghouse. Yeah, because they know more about the sport than you, and they're gonna if you're being a dick. I mean, they can be who's better at being a dick in martial arts? Someone who knows martial arts or someone who doesn't? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So they yeah. they know the craft and they're going to put you and they're not going to. So the whole idea is going there be coachable, uh, have a great attitude, yeah. be hungry for information, listen, um, ask questions. If you have that kind of energy and that spirit, it doesn't matter what you're trying to do. Like you'll always be okay, especially in martial arts cuz martial arts it's all about beginner's mind and there's an added there's an added factor in here that if you don't have that energy and you try to go in there all macho man, you'll just <laughs> you'll just get hurt. You'll get yeah. injured. Low key get injured. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone will break your arm or You'll fuck something up. Yeah, something will break. Yeah, yeah. The the way I like to describe it is, one of two things is going to break in jujitsu: either your ego will or your one of your limbs. Okay, good. Good to know. Good to know. Well, or joints or whatever. You know, it's funny. I took a when I was a kid. I mean, every Asian kid fucking does this at some point. Like you, you're you're doing some sort of martial art. I did Taekwondo when I was a kid. Yeah. And like, um, even that. Looking back on that experience, I'm like, wow. Like thinking about it now, when just hearing you talk about, it, I'm like yeah that was extremely humbling thinking about it like yeah i you know i only ever got to yellow belt but like i had to earn my stripes to get there yeah. and it was a humbling experience from a sparring standpoint i was getting my ass kicked by like so <laughs> many people it, you know it's 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 one of those things that i feel like it's like you gotta yeah like you gotta take your l's before you take your w yeah and look at you now man i mean you're freaking you're uh you're a rocket shit man you're uh you're a young Southern Belle at a country bar right now. You're just a <laughs> rocket on the way to the yeah. moon. So, uh, you know, you're just, you're, uh, you have a great heart and a great mind and a great attitude about life. And people are drawn to you because, uh, you probably went through a lot of experiences like that growing up. Sure. Sure. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. For real. Yeah. It, it means a lot, you know, uh, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next. Uh, so Akeem again is just the most interesting man. I know. Um, <laughs> no, we'll, cap. no cap, no cap, <laughs> no cap, no kizzy. That's a, that's a new no cap. If, uh, if you haven't heard nowadays now we, we got station park. So, station you know, park. uh, for those who don't know, I know, uh, Akeem, you can kind of speak to it maybe a little more, but, uh, Akeem's, uh, working in commercial real estate. He's, uh, very big on, uh, right now there's a, a big sort of entertainment district project that's happening here on white Ave and he's kind of leading the charge and, uh, working for one of the bigger real estate firms here in uh, the city. So I'd love to hear uh, a little of, uh, you know, what's going on with that. Yeah. Um, you know, your project and whatnot in general, uh, you know, let's for, you know, a lot of my listeners are based in Edmonton and uh, love going to White Ave. So I, you know, there's a big project going on. I'd love to, they'd love to hear what's going on. Yeah. So I'll, I'll quickly hit the project and then kind of backtrack because people might be confused with like, Oh, what? He did sports management, Pepsi, <laughs> and now he's running Station The most Park. interesting man in the world. Now he's, doing, he's, now he's a project manager in commercial real estate. So what the hell is going on? But anyways, Kate, the project. So Station Park. Yeah. Station Park is going to be on the corner of Gateway and White Ave. It's going to be starting construction um, in the next few weeks. This is like a end of April. We're recording this. So beginning of May, mid-May on 2022, you should see a bunch of fences going up that say Station Park uh, coming 2023 it's going to take us about eight or nine months to build and the whole idea of it is to build a kind of micro format retail uh, experience on the corner of like we think is the craziest and most heavily trafficked intersection and node in edmonton which is gateway and white avenue so 
It's a vacant piece of land north of the MKT bar patio. Um, if you've ever driven down Gateway, you'll see like a bar there, right north, like the old train station. Yeah. There's a patio and then there's a big empty vacant piece of land that's been vacant since God made the earth. And I mean, Edmonton has never developed it for some reason. So we came along and we said, Hey, there's an opportunity here to do something cool. And, uh, we thought that honoring the heritage of the site would be interesting. So in 1891, the train station, uh, CPR rail line was made and that was to bring people into the city of Strathcona, not even Edmonton yet wow. for the first time ever. Um, and, uh, a lot of generations of Edmontonians came out of that train station. So people would come in through the train station, start their lives. Edmonton got kind of built around old Strathcona. That's why it's called old Strathcona. Yeah, old Strath. And then across the street, the Strathcona hotel was built. Um, and Edmonton kind of grew around those two nodes. And to honor that heritage, we decided to build a station-themed, train-themed development that was going to be around micro-format retail to kind of echo the sentiment of, hey, this is where generations of Edmontonians started their lives. This is going to be where generations of entrepreneurs start their lives. And to make that progression from like the Instagram slash yeah. farmers market slash trade show business to like their own brick and mortar shop, but not like rent out like a thousand, 2000 square feet, which is like pretty traditional yeah. in a five year lease. This is going to be way easier, like three months to like two years or like very short terms, uh, you know, way less fit out costs, way less startup costs. So you can like have your traditional brick and mortar shop, mm -hmm. but still, uh, you know, it, it, have it still be approachable when it comes to the economics of it. Cause you know, if you have to go into debt for 250 K just to open your own shop, I mean, number one, that might, <laughs> that might be, uh, that might set you back before you even open the doors. And number two is just like, uh, it's not, it's not realistic. Um, and especially coming out of what we just went through for the last two years, Yeah, you yeah, got to mitigate risk. So micro retail and the way we're doing it too, is to honor the heritage of the train station with that's station awesome. park that's is awesome. to uh integrate actual shipping containers so yeah shipping containers go on trains and uh we're gonna have shipping container shops where they're gonna be 20 foot or 40 foot bays and they're gonna be made out of shipping containers so like 160 to 320 square feet and uh they're gonna be kind of part of this market slash collective of stores and shops and there's going to be a stage there's going to be a ticket office there's going to be that's awesome like uh, patios and a food hall and a beer hall i think we're going to have upwards of 25 or so groups in there on top of the food hall and the beer hall and then there's going to be a stage for like activities and programming so it's going to be a pretty freaking it's going to be like a mini city on white ave yeah and it's going to be like official welcome to edmonton because for yeah. years it was yeah. you get off the airport <clears throat> Let's say you're going downtown, you're on business, and you're coming to Edmonton. Yeah. Well, you got to drive down Gateway Boulevard from the airport. You drive down Gateway, and you're going through. You see all this industrial. You see a few shops. You see Superstore. Yeah. And then you're driving down, and you get to White Ave, and you see a barren piece of land, maybe a few tents and a homeless person, and then you see a bathroom. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, welcome to Edmonton. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? This is, this is like <laughs> your first like sight of the city. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, um, the developer I work for, Belgian, they, they're really focused on adaptive reuse and honoring the history of sites. That yeah, are that's really very walkable. Cool. And we have a lot of sites on White Ave. And, you know, he's, uh, you know, my boss is just like, and the company is just like really focused on community collaboration and highlighting entrepreneurs and, uh, yeah, adaptive reuse of old buildings. So we thought this site was underutilized. Uh, 
still blows my mind that to this day Edmonton's been a city for how many years and it's been like a like a park if they want to call it that but it's been really underutilized especially because of the location it's crazy that it's like empty so yeah that starts construction in the next few weeks i've been working on it for like the last year and a half uh programming it uh doing the engineering doing the uh, supply uh, getting the suppliers on board getting all our entitlements getting it rezoned uh getting uh getting everything it takes to get this uh get this to this point where we have our construction contract signed and now we're ready to start building it and then uh, doing launch parties and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. summer's going to be lit and uh, we're going to have this bad boy open. Yeah, I know it's um, in spring of 2020, 2023. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I visited last summer just like, you know, through your, like the shipping containers that are there currently. And yeah, I know you recorded your pod there and I'm like, yeah, there's, there's something here. Like that, that's the, the sense I felt when I left there is like, there is so much potential in this area. And I, I, I totally could see myself like visiting that like once it's, you know, it's ready and, and stuff like that. I got to ask you though, have you set up any sort of Pepsi contracts there yet? Uh, you, maybe you can't talk about it, but uh, I'd be, I'd be very curious. You know, conversations have been had. I mean, <laughs> uh, you totally, I mean, some of my OGs at uh, PepsiCo, I'm like, listen, this could be a marketing play, blah, 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 but we'll see where, what happens. Hey, but, this guy bleeds blue at heart. That's, yeah, that's all we know. hundred percent, man. I mean, I, I would even turn down money from Coke if I had to. You know? <laughs> nice. but, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, um, we're, we're open to anything, honestly. But uh, we got to program it right. And you don't want it just to be like a Michael Bay movie where like there's an ad every two seconds. Like, yeah. It's got to be cool and it's got to feel. You know your worth. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I like, like, for real, like, that's something I, on, on the real, I could totally see myself just like going to visit seeing what's up you know spending like a like an afternoon you know like on saturday and like yeah we want it to be the place where you start and end your, your night on a white ave like or start and end your day on white ave so if you're going to white ave for like as a destination the street uh well we want you to go to white be like hey let's start i'll meet you at white ave and we'll start from there and we'll go from there so and, and just to kind of back up my dad was a uh, well, is a master carpenter. So I grew up on construction sites and I've always been interested in the built environment, architecture, city building, all that kind of stuff. Like I've always walked into a space and be like, oh, what kind of what kind of uh, upholstery did they use on that? Or what kind of like tiling did they use? Or what kind of floor? Or how did they build that kind of, you know, so, you know, the lighting fixtures and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been intri intrigued by the built environment. Yeah. And then my degree was in sports, recreation, and tourism. So oh, sure. That that applies right there. Exactly. I'm assuming. The whole tourism aspect. Absolutely. Of when you go to, when I went to Europe when I was like 15 and I was blown away in Italy when I saw how like the buildings really were part how helped tell the story of the cities so you go to Florence and it's very majestic and kind of like a lot of like arches and stuff and you could just imagine like the 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 conversations that were had around the city just based on like the majestic atmosphere of these buildings and then how you know you walk into these cathedrals and these churches and they just like they're just awe-inspiring and I was like kind of drawn to that and then I it's kind of the reason I studied sports not just sports management but tourism and recreation yeah so tying tourism and recreation which is what my degree was in that I came back to finish in with construction project management development design architecture that's kind of why I got into this world back into this world um, and That's then awesome. I took a course during the pandemic called commercial real estate at Cornell University. Uh, it was like a three month course. And I learned about the whole development process, getting your zoning, getting your, uh, you know, uh, learning how to put out tenders for contractors and all this kind of stuff. And the whole 
everything that happens before a building actually goes up, uh, I learned. Uh, so that yeah, was that was for you. Yeah, and that's kind of the how you draw the line between uh, PepsiCo and what I'm doing now. <laughs> but honestly, PepsiCo, um, the skills you learn, uh, sure, just yeah. like like dealing with people, oh, all yeah. the soft skills. Yeah, man. Like, cause you could have all the technical shit down and engineers, you find this a lot. <laughs> like engineers are more technical than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes they're not the best communicators and yeah. sometimes they don't have really good soft skills. So you don't, it's not that, you know, they're saying the wrong things. They're just saying it the wrong way. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Or I, they're not communicating it right. Or, yeah. you know, so you got to be able to marry the soft skills with the technical, the technical aspects yeah. of a project. That's, that's the big two yeah. right there. I, I find, you know, looking back on my Pepsi experience, like meeting and going to visit my clients every day, I, I learned how to talk to people in a professional, Huge. but also not only just a professional level, but like also, um, a, an interpersonal level, like, like in a sense of like, I, I'm, I'm here on a professional relationship with you, like obligation, but like, I'm also here on like a personal level. Like I, I find the, you know, I, and this is just maybe hearsay or whatever, and, you know, this is just maybe RC's sort of quote unquote life skills, whatever. But I find the best way to make people like, like you or build sort of a relationship with you is just building a personal relationship like like being beyond the surface level of like oh yeah how's how's your sales going today you know versus like you know like how, how's the family doing how's you know talking about things like outside of like your main frame of thought if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, yeah. with this project, Station Park, outside of all the consultants in the city and all these other parties we had to deal with, the biggest part of this project that would make it successful is the tenants that, that take it on, right? That yeah, come on oh, board. That, that's the lifeblood. That's so the like, lifeblood. I mean, there's 25 different startups that are going to be part of Station Park. If I didn't have that pull PepsiCo experience, I'd probably blow off a lot of them because I would be insensitive to what they need and what they're going through yeah. and what they're looking for. Uh, so you learn those kind of soft skills in a business environment like a Pepsi. You can learn anywhere, really. But yeah. I just happen to be a PepsiCo. But I mean, like if you talk about going to business school, I mean, that's probably why they send you on these co-ops because you need to, that's the biggest part of business. Like if you know you could be a spreadsheet warrior, <laughs> you know, net present value yeah, for yeah. future value earnings, whatever analysis or formula you want to use. I know a lot of people who are book smart and people dumb. Like that's that's <laughs> yep. what my dad used to say. He's yeah. like, Akeem, because my dad's really good with people. Like he's yeah. an amazing and great person to kind of just deal with. But he'd always used to say, he's like, Akeem, he doesn't have, he has like his, uh, his i'm not sure what it's called but it's a certificate for yep. becoming a carpenter yeah outside of that he has no education um outside of high school so he learned how to become a carpenter but he knows how to handle yep. lawyers city officials people who are way smarter on oh, paper yeah but he's like akeem these people eat out of my hand because they're book smart but relatively speaking compared to me they're people dumb yeah yeah it, it's i i think um in zoomer language I've, I've, I've talked a lot about this with like a couple of my friends is like there's a difference between being book smart, like you say, and like street smart. Right? Yeah, like huge difference. Like like street smarts is like you have to have some awareness for that shit, and yeah. you can you, they can teach you all the theory in the world in school, like whatever. But like you have to have those life experiences that like you know, like you mentioned, your dad. Like I can deal with lawyers, I can deal with like whoever. Yeah, and that comes from the experiences you get that school does not teach you. 
Exactly. You got to be out on these hard streets, right? This is why people listen to your show. You have your ear to the streets. <laughs> ear to the streets, baby. And you know, you know. you know how to show up and show out. So you're going to help us get this street knowledge. No, and that absolutely. And uh, what was it uh, NWA? Like, uh, what was the what was the start of that song? Like, you're you're now you're now about to witness the power of street knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so it, it's the same sort of idea. You know, when I when it comes to again, just show up and show out. Like that's that's you know that's that's the whole gist of my show here is you have the requisite knowledge. Number one. But number two is being able to take that knowledge, synthesize it, and spin it in a way that makes people like enjoy your presence. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a great it's a great premise, man. I mean, and this is uh, that's why I think it will take off because, uh, you know, we're missing a lot of the soft. I mean, we anyone who has those skills coming out of the pandemic, like, and is a master, the world is your oyster. Yeah. Like, I mean, what was it? Uh, I, I, this might be a controversial person to bring up, but I, I truly believe what he said. He said, uh, Jordan Peterson, he's this philosopher guy, but he had this thing where he's like, if you know how to write and communicate yourself, you can be, you're unstoppable. Sure. Sure. Like that's his biggest thing is like, if you can write your thoughts down on a piece of paper, communicate your thoughts on a piece of paper and write it out properly, you know, with good grammar and all that shit, and you can communicate yourself, mm-hmm. you are unstoppable. Yeah. Without a doubt. The, those are the two things. Yeah. So, you mix that with ability to read a room, uh, emotional intelligence, knowing how to like, you know, almost like a poker, that poker sense of like, hey, is this guy have an ace or not? You know, kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of shit where it's like, you know, I understand why some of these rappers blow up because they grew up <laughs> on the streets. So they had to develop they had the, sick, the they, real street skills. They had developed that sixth sense of like, hey, like this is life or death. And, um, I ha- you know, what are, uh, you know, <laughs> I heard somebody say the other, like uh, I heard somebody say once that, the gut, your gut, when someone says trust your gut, that's not your gut or the butterflies or whatever. That's actually millions of years of uh, evolution uh, taking triggers from the natural environment, the like your surrounding space through all your senses and giving you a heads up. Yeah, definitely. And it's not like, it's like through your ears, your eyes, your nose, your sense, the smell in the air, the pheromones that might've been released or whatever. It's all taking all that data, kind of like a Python program and being like, do it or don't do this. Yeah. And that's kind of amazing to me that you, you can harness that. But if you haven't been in enough of those situations or you don't know how to kind of cultivate that sense of trust and you know, when uh, Oprah calls it the whisper, Yeah. you know, uh, Oprah says, um, the things that you're supposed to do in life, uh, you know, the things that you need to do, they're not going to yell at you. They're going to whisper to you. And that's kind of what that gut, that gut means. But if you're spending your whole life kind of blasted by, uh, you know, being told what to do all the time, or you're not really cultivating in any kind of significant way by maybe being in a service environment or, you know, uh, being in different social in, in, in contexts, then you're not going to really harness it and develop it. And you're going to get host or hoodwinked, as they say. Thanks for bringing that up, uh, Akeem. You got some really, really interesting uh, projects going on in your life, and uh, you know that's what I respect about you is you keep things fresh. You know, it's 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 always something new, and it's never uh, stagnant. Thanks, bro. Stagnant smells, man. You got to be like a river, raging river. <laughs> lots of 
lots of entropy and crazy energy going on you know waves crashing and salmon swimming upstream and you know animals fighting for life and plants getting sure oxygen and <laughs> baby you know. baby deer being chased by bears and shit oh like absolutely <laughs> absolutely so you know we'll, we'll we'll transition gears here a little more into uh some more loose-ended stuff here to to not not close out the show yet we still got a little ways to go but one thing i know about you akeem is uh, you're well known uh for liking batman um can you elaborate on that just so you know i i i'm not i'm not one who's huge into like superhero movies and like, comics and stuff like that but i know like that's like a big thing in your life and I'm, i'd be curious to just kind of explore like you know what like why it means so much to you and kind of like i know a new batman dropped recently which you talked about on your last episode by the way yeah. um so a shameless plug right there but uh care to elaborate just i'd, I'd be curious to hear kind of your yeah, perspective so, on so things. growing up i was always kind of misunderstood um i was i was pretty studious and i didn't dress like a gangster so everyone was like keem why aren't you black <laughs> you know you don't wear echo units and you don't talk like a thug i'm like okay first of all like that doesn't make any sense there's a lot of black people who don't do that yeah and then second of all uh i'm a bit of a nerd at my in my heart of hearts like i am a jock I am like, you know, whatever. Yeah, like you were a football player. You played basketball. Yeah, or whatever. I was a quarterback. I was the captain of the football team. I was captain of the basketball team. Uh, you know, I've been a football coach. Did jujitsu. Like I'm like I, I like I hunt, I hunt. I fish. I camp. I know how to build shit. I built decks. But at the same time, I'm also like pretty intellectual and I'm pretty philosophical. And growing up, I I was a bit of a nerd. Like I loved video games. I love platformers. Uh, there's a game called Sly Cooper I grew up on. And I just freaking love. Um, but it kind of all started with Star Wars in 1999. It was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, so Fa Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. It was like the prequels to the original Star Wars series. And I remember I saw that that was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Um, even like Lion King and stuff in the 90s. Like I only saw that after they came out. So I saw it at home, Space Jam and shit like that. But actual theater experience was The Phantom Menace. And I became a fan of mythologies and lore. So when you think about like awesome. the classics and you think about uh, myths and storytelling through the ages, that's kind of how we understood the human experience was through people's stories, through myths and lores and legends, whatever. Uh, I've always been a big fan of that and how that kind of intertwines into the culture. So when it comes to like Batman, um, I've always been a fan of Batman. So in the 90s, when I was growing up and I was a little kid, I was born 91. In 1992, the animated series for Batman came out. And that was a show that was essentially uh, probably a lot of a lot of people debate it and discuss it to this day. But a lot of people, there's a lot of, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say it's a consensus, but many, many Batman heads believe that is the best portrayal of a Batman universe ever put on screen. When it comes to like the mythos of Gotham City, Bruce Wayne, his origin story, all the rogues gallery of villains. So it came down to the lot of things, but the Art Deco style of like Gotham City was super dark. It was kind of grainy. Uh, cartoons at the time were very kind of like goofy and silly and pim pa pa poo pa <laughs> and gotham and this batman this was like kind of like real life like people were getting shot and shit and like this is like kids were watching this, this right? is legit yeah so it was like whoa yeah. this is like it's, it was a little bit more realistic and 
like I said, Art Deco, New York, kind of 1930s style. And then the art, uh, sorry, the voice acting was on point. So Kevin Conroy, who's played Batman a lot of times as a voice actor. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who played uh, Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, what's his name? Oh, uh, uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah. So Mark Hamill played the Joker and he had the, the best Joker voice of all time. Um, I would even say above Heath Ledger because he was like, the voice that he laughed with in that in that cartoon was like epic. <laughs> the, cl and the classic laugh. The classic laugh. <laughs> I'm not even gonna attempt to try it, but like he he nailed it. And they actually use those same voice actors for all future projects. So like all yeah. the Arkham City, wow. all the Arkham City games, the Arkham Asylum game for the PS really? PS4 and stuff. They still use those voice actors because they're so iconic to the role. Like people think Batman, they think Kevin Conroy's voice. Yeah. That's kind of like how it... So anyways, it all started in the 90s for me. Like when I saw that cartoon and how realistic it was, um, like A Heart of Ice with Dr. Freeze and mm -hmm. the the last joke with the Joker and all these different like amazing... Some of these cartoons were like, you know, they're 20-minute cartoons, but they would win Emmys and shit. So That's they incredible. Were, they were like That's really... Incredible. They're really well written. They're really well uh, organized. And the whole idea and the mythos of Batman that I fell in love with was this concept of overcoming fears and standing up for justice based on a symbol. And I think that, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Bruce Wayne's arc is about coming over, overcoming hardship and tragedy to, um, fight for the better good and to, you know, stand up for your city, right? Like it's the whole Drake thing, right? Not the, not that Drake is Batman, but like <laughs> the whole thing. Batman about, in Toronto. Batman in Toronto, like <laughs> 805 to my city, right? Or 305 to my instead city. Of the, instead of the bat signal in the air, it's the OVOL. It's the OVOL, <laughs> exactly. So it's the same shit. Like you've got to put on for your city. Yeah. And the reason why that's relevant is because Bruce Wayne could go, he's a billionaire. He could go anywhere in the world. And Drake is, he's not a billionaire, but fuck, he's got a hundred million dollars. He could go to new york he could live it i think he does have a home in la but he, he kind of just go wherever the fuck he wants he lives in toronto most of the time he doesn't have to and he even has a song called i'm still here right how did i finesse all of this shit from jane and west yeah yeah but yeah. anyways uh the whole idea of you know being established bloom where you're planted staying in the city standing up for something and all and becoming um i talked about this on the third episode of my show it's called create a symbol yeah and the whole idea of um embracing what you fear um, and becoming what you, um, embodying what you fear the most. So for some people, it's like losing weight or something, or talking to girls, or uh, really applying for the job you want, or traveling alone, or fill in the blank. And I think Bruce Wayne's approach was, I'm just going to embrace what scares me, because what scared him was bats, because he got fell into a cave when he was a kid. Yeah, and the bats scared the shit out of him. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as a metaphor to scare the shit out of the people I'm trying to stop. Damn. So that's kind of the idea behind Batman, which I totally that's cool as fuck. With. That's so, cool as fuck. So embracing your embracing whatever scares the shit out of you and turning it into you know weaponizing your fears almost like how your greatest liabilities become your greatest strengths kind of thing. So that is the reason, and that evolved. It all kind of came to a head when. Uh, the movie The Dark Knight came out um, first Batman begins so Batman kind of went through a dark era uh, no pun intended when um, Batman Forever and uh, and uh, Batman V uh, Joker or whatever in the late 90s there was just a string of awful Batman movies <laughs> they were like 
so cheesy and terrible and bad and people kind of checked out from the Batman universe and then this really talented filmmaker by the name of Christopher Nolan came along and he's directed movies like Inception and Interstellar and and, and Tenant so he's like a very like cinematic like big world kind of filmmaker like he knows what the fuck he's doing oh dude so he he yeah he made his bones on movies in the 90s like Memento and stuff but then he was handed the keys to the Batman franchise and they said, don't fuck it up. And he did the, he killed it. So he first did Batman Begins, which came out when I was like 14 or 15. And then I'd already, already loved that Batman, but that kind of like ground, it brought me back to the nineties cartoon where it was like a little darker. It was a little bit more serious. It was like meant for like adults, but uh, you could still enjoy it as a kid. And then his, what you would, what you want to call this is um, his, uh, his his uh what's what's that painting in the sistine chapel it's the sistine chapel his sistine chapel like his yeah. uh his pure his uh his absolute beauty his work of art was the dark knight like the coupe de gras hit the coupe de gras that's the word i'm looking for thanks ryan and uh <laughs> uh his coupe de gras was the dark knight so the dark knight is arguably the best superhero movie of all time ahead of infinity war ahead Damn. of anything else and this is like not debated like a lot of people think that uh, specifically because of Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker, you know. Yeah, when, when the, yeah, I've seen things about that. When he won like the best supporting actor after dying, like he died post uh, posthumously after the uh, movie came out, um, which was really sad. But he, like, you got to watch that movie again. It's the only reason I watch it once a year is because it's so amazing. But uh, it's the only the- movie I've seen in theater theater three times. Damn. Okay. So like you're uh, hard over it. Like yeah, this well, is that's your shit. That movie came out in 2008, and I remember walking of the theater being like what the fuck did i just see because <laughs> a lot of a lot of people kind of mix up the genres right where it's like hey did i just listen to a rap song no that was like a pop song and it's the same thing with movies like you'll walk out of the dark night thinking that you're supposed to be watching a superhero movie when really it's a crime drama yeah yeah like it's so realistic and gritty that you forget you're watching superheroes it's more like the godfather than it is like Damn. than it is like spider-man interesting so it's like it's it's more gritty based in reality kind of like it's uh you know it poses really existential questions about good and bad uh what to do um in in a pinch uh when you have to make a tough decision um and then you know the whole idea of 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 anarchy and is our anarchy good and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean the bat the dark knight um was the kind of coupe de gras for me and then all the video games came out after that yeah, and then yeah yeah uh most recently the the new batman but uh yeah i mean i'm a huge batman head for all those reasons but uh i'm sure that everyone's got their kind of superhero or whatever sure sure all. you know and it, it's, it's funny the um when i think of like the dc marvel like whatever kind of universe like for me it's like there's there's two there's two big twos Okay, like when it comes to like superheroes and stuff. I guess maybe big three. Yeah, maybe big three. There's Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Right. That's like the big three. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would co-sign that for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, when, you come to, when it comes to like mass appeal, those are the three big ones. Um, only one of them doesn't have superpowers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. uh, that's kind of yeah. my draw towards... You know, and also the whole Bruce Wayne persona. Like, I think the Bruce Wayne persona, by the way, like, like full disclosure, badass as fuck. Yeah, like, I think it's like it's like he's got a bit of the James Bond going thing going on. Like, yeah, all men want to be him, and all girls want to be with him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. like the whole Bruce Wayne thing, 
um it's about being low-key and yeah really like kind of playing you know being underground about with what you have going on so like i like with station park like i'll talk about it from time to time but i'm not i'm, I'm more you're not oh, out I'm, here flaunting exactly i'm yeah. trying to be on that bruce wayne vibe be like i'm gonna let my what i do with my time and the projects and my get after like my get after it um this if that's a word uh, <laughs> um i want that to speak for me right that's I like think, uh that's like Kawhi, like in, yeah. in basketball it's the same idea. <laughs> it's the same idea, you know. He just he goes on the court, he does his shit, yeah. he leaves. Let that's your it. game speak. Yeah. It's yeah. the same idea. So that's the same idea, man. I mean, yeah, to your point, but uh, yeah, those are the big 3. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Bruce Bruce Wayne is like uh for me like such a cultural phenomenon when it comes to just like yeah well, you you know you mentioned the idea like and on the show up and show up podcast, like I love bringing up stuff about like what's cultural culturally like relevant right and culturally right. a sort of a phenomenon so i talk about like super bowl and i talk about like march madness and shit like that right? sure but like Huge. you know you know bruce wayne's kind of a similar idea where it's like he's this just kind of he has an allure to him that yeah. like people are drawn towards yeah for sure uh billionaire philanthropist uh like that kind of vibe and i think secretly everyone wants to be that where they can just like you know have like a dope ass butler who makes them like macaroni in the middle of the day and <laughs> just shoot the shit whatever. just just a regular human being at the yeah, end of the day just normal type shit like i'm a different kind of dude you know like but you, you know i'm not gonna not gonna flex too much yeah I, I respect that man you know it, it, it i think being low-key and being to yourself keeping things to the chest I, I think that's important man you know people people are always so caught up i find nowadays and like especially like within the age of social media and shit For like sure. that of like oh like look at me and look at what i'm doing and shit like that i think you know that that's fine and all like if, if that floats your boat like whatever but i think there needs to be a point where there's kind of like a quiet humbleness of yourself where it's like okay like i don't need people to under like i can i can let the work do the talking i don't need to be like out there flaunting everything yeah and i mean to me it's like my uh my current boss he had this saying about like people who golf a lot in the summer and yeah. i'm like do you go golfing he's like no because then i wouldn't be able to be as productive as i am so the people who yell and shout about how great they are and how awesome they're doing and sure. what they've got going on sure how much work are they actually getting done yeah do you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah for me it's like you get you, you get the best of both worlds when you actually work more than you talk is people will actually start commenting on it and then you get more done for them to talk about so it's like you get a double you get a you get a twofer as i say in alberta yeah right? <laughs> uh, but uh, uh i think that yeah it's so important to just like double down on what you're doing hustle and yeah, uh, man. you know what i mean um like station park for example like that will uh i don't need to scream and shout for people to talk about that because you know our whole team at bell jan has been working day and night on it for like yeah. two years so you guys have been in the trenches you've been in the trenches man so you know that will when we when that finally gets erected that will speak for itself no respect man that that's that's huge and um you know just going back to batman and stuff like i think that sort of same identity like flows through in bruce wayne in the sense of like you know he's he's his all-encompassing figure but you don't really realize it 100 percent. and you know back to the whole symbol thing like i think everyone needs to get a symbol everyone needs, oh yeah everyone you need like it could be it could be a hockey stick it could be a freaking it could be uh, i don't know a moose i have no idea but the whole point is you better freaking uh figure out uh what gets the uh what gets the what gets the car started in the morning yeah yeah absolutely i think uh obviously for bat like bruce wayne it's it's the bat symbol like i, I think that's that's pretty pretty straightforward yeah it's, you know it's, it's it's uh it's it's turning it's flipping his fear 
onto his enemies. What would you, what would your symbol be if if you had to pick one? If I had to pick a symbol, that's a great question. Like obviously, like I mean, superficially, I would say the bat symbol. But uh, um, let me think about that for a second. Can we? Can I think about that and we can come back to it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I think uh, you know you gotta let it stew a little bit. I, I think I'm with you, man. You know, it's funny. I took a I took a course at work recently. Yeah. Um, you know, my work does uh, a couple like e learnings and some you know like virtual led sessions kind of stuff. And uh, we took a class on like networking. Building a personal brand was a big part of that class. And I'm like, damn, like you're right. I need to, it's not about selling yourself, but it's about building a brand that like people can kind of get behind. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I think part of that is like that symbol, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, the symbol is less of a symbol, more of like an idea. Mine is the dream. So I've always been called Akeem the dream. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I think it means a lot of different things, but it, I think it just, I think it just, I think it just means being um, a positive person people can turn to. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I've always tried to be that for people is yeah. just like, hey, you know, I've even got calls and stuff from people who are like down in the dumps or whatever and hey Kim, we i know you're a positive person i just want to talk to you not about anything yeah. specifically but just like just wanted to shoot the shit and that's exactly what to me being about being a king the dream is all about so yeah yeah if i could be a symbol for people to just uh remain positive get, like a symbol get, get, of hope yeah be a symbol of hope and just be like approachable i think that's important um, no and I, re- I respect you for that man like you know i'm not one to you know get super deep every now and then but I think with you, you know, I remember you, you came to my, you came to my parents' house, like maybe like a year or two ago and we, we had some beers on my deck and whatever. Oh yeah. Remember, cigars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some cigars and stuff. And I remember telling you like then, and it's still to this day, like you're like the most positive person I know. Like there's oh, never man. like a rainy day. I appreciate it. You know that, what man. I'm saying? And I, I, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass when I say that. Like I genuinely mean that. Yeah, man. I, I really do appreciate I work hard for that. Um, because obviously you know in it you live on planet earth gravity affects me like everybody else yeah and uh but i think that um that is the best roi in life and honestly yeah. like it's just the only thing i can control honestly like <laughs> i can control i can mentally control that so mm-hmm. i try to do i try to like grab it by the balls if you will and just make sure <laughs> that nothing gets in its way and yeah uh, yeah um that's that's important to me so no and i appreciate you for that man for real like like you are Every time I talk to you, it seems like there's just never a bad day. And, and it, it makes my day just better, like, knowing that. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I have bad half days. Yeah. You know, but I try to make the other half of the day positive um, and, uh, you know, go back to what am I grateful for all the time and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Amor Fati. And speaking of, so, you know, and that that's awesome. You know, I, like, you know, I mentioned I appreciate that. But, you know, speaking of half days and this is i don't know how much of a transition this is going to be but well we're going to test it out anyways let's go um but do you want me to start rapping football, or something? football oh. football okay <laughs> half days is that is that a thing in, in football like where you you're going half a day like working working out and then you're you know you're going to the the, the football field and shit like that because you're you're a you're a big football guy yeah know? well i spent eight years playing football right so from yeah. 2005 or no no seven years 2005 to 2012 i played football and um it's a pretty short life it's a pretty half it's a pretty short career for anybody because it's so violent but uh half days so you have half days uh in the off season okay okay (laughs) during the season it's full on because even when you're not doing something physical during the week like let's say like you're in school or you have other shit you have other obligations you're still thinking about the playbook 
what you're gonna do the practice your yeah. nutrition all that stuff so you're mentally engaged it's like when you're they always taught when i was playing football like you have to be in the game because if your name is called if somebody gets injured or somebody goes down and you're not mentally in the game <laughs> it's almost more important than being in the, it's being it's almost more important than being in the game because you could uh you'll just get you, you're just not mentally there yeah and football is a game of minimizing errors so if you can uh you know know what you're doing and be engaged that's like half the battle so um yeah there's no half days during this season um in the off season of course you're gonna have a life and stuff and all that. yeah but yeah. uh yeah during the year man it's just like it's full on full core press especially during spring camp and summer camp like during summer camp, you have two practices. With, Holy shit! With yeah, and that's two two hours. So one normally is like a walkthrough with like all the different. Um, uh, we call it. Uh, we call it input. We call it input. Yeah. What we call it. Uh, anyways, you you input all the plays and you you execute them. You and then you do an hour film. You go for lunch. You come back and you do two hours. Holy of, shit. Two hours of padded It's a full time job almost. And then you, yeah, this is summer camp and it's full yeah. on. And this is because people are getting cut and they're trying to figure out who's going to make the roster. And then you. Uh, after the two-hour padded practice, full-on hitting, full contact, then you do uh, conditioning, which is like normally about a uh, twenty minutes to half Jeez. an hour, uh, and then you would go out with your with your boys to Boston Pizza. Hey, <laughs> hey. yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> Get the Great White North or some shit, and um, uh, pass the Tuesday or something. Hey, hey, and hey. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that was a full yeah. Summer camp is nuts, and you lose so much weight, like it's crazy. I I remember. I was like 20, 21 and uh, playing football and I couldn't gain weight if I tried. Like I had to, I had to like, I almost felt like a shrew. You're like just burning all those calories on the field. Fucking massive. Yeah. It's crazy. Football's nuts, but football is, it's because I did for seven years and it was so intense Yeah, um, that like, it's part of me now. Like I see football in everything I do because the systems in football, the camaraderie, the like yeah. it's going to war essentially. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So You're it's in like the trenches. Someone from World War Two will will see World War Two in everything they do. Yeah. Cause it's just it was such an intense focus period of like I mean, listen, I'm not putting in a <laughs> football is not literally war, but it is um you do have to like get yourself into that mind where it's like, you know, you're going out there and you're busting your ass and you're going like low man wins and it's totally nuts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you gotta you gotta bring your your lunch pail, as you would say. And you know, I really respect football players too, because um, you know, I just thinking back like to my sports experience in high school. I was a hockey player. That was kind of my thing. Um, yeah, hockey's yeah. dope. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, you know a couple practices a week, maybe a game or two a week, whatever. But it was usually only about like an hour, hour and a half kind of commitment. Games were usually about two, two and a half hours, but like hour to two and a half hour commitment. Yeah. It seems like football is like it's it's a full on commitment. Like you're 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 spending days like full on like eight hours a day, like doing that shit. One hundred percent, man. I mean, you got to yeah. be fully engaged, and uh, you got to. And it's such a team game because you just need to know you need to have so much trust in everyone. So it's really just like trust camp. Like how yeah. how well can you get to know your neighbor, your, your the guy in the O line, or your other receivers, or your D-line, like everyone is such an interconnected organism that you just need to be able to uh, operate. Mm -hmm. It's like a colony of ants all headed in the right direction. And I just loved, I remember like breaking the huddle as a quarterback when I played quarterback and I'd call the play in the huddle and then be like, okay, on one, on one, ready, break. And then we'd all slap. And I just missed that. Everyone turning around and all 12, uh, yeah, 12 yeah, just of us. Yeah, just feeling camaraderie. 
camaraderie and we're all looking in the same direction with the same mission yeah like yeah. there's something about that in life where whether being in a startup or in a company or whatever it is with your boys on white ave looking for the shorties like <laughs> like it's something about rolling with your boys and just like it's being just like, focused yeah like, it's like you'd run through a wall for them yeah I, there's something about that that just like i think is it, it just strikes at the the it just strikes at my uh heartstrings you know you know i think it's funny you mentioned that when you were playing quarterback i was just i don't know it was such a random thought i was thinking of the uh the terrell owens uh <laughs> sound bite, you know like that's, that's my quarterback that's <laughs> my teammate that's my, my quarterback that's <laughs> really unfair <laughs> no that's uh you know what good, good you know to i find you know i i really find that like receivers kind of get like a Maybe I, I, you can speak to this maybe more because you're a football player yourself, but I feel like receivers get kind of a tagged as like being a diva sometimes. I, I'm, I'm curious to like explore that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, listen, the life of a receiver is like, it's very nomadic. You're just yeah. out there because all the action is in the line of scrimmage, right? Yeah. All the O line and D line, they hit every play. Yeah, that's the trenches. The right quarterback, there. you're like in, you're in the trenches every play. The running backs, the linebackers, the safeties, but the receivers in the corner. Well, even the corner, the corner has to run up and make tackles. So really, the only isolated player on the field all the time is the receiver. <laughs> so he's kind of just chilling, right? Like he's just. You know, sometimes we'll go run block, but he's really out there to make plays. He's yeah. really out there. Yeah, to like they're playmakers. Catch, yeah, catch touchdowns and then go date the the lead cheerleader, right? So like, <laughs> that's what they're that's what they're really about, gang gang, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Pull up, pull up at your shorty's house. No, so. it, it's funny just thinking of these receivers that are quote unquote divas. Like just like off the top of my head, like I know like To was one of them. Yeah, Ocho Cinco. Uh, I mean, like the the modern day example is Antonio Brown. Like, like that's not even close. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like it, it seems like, but a lot of the time they're not wrong. Like, yeah. If you get the ball to their hand, if you get the ball in their hands in space, they're gonna make a play. Yeah. So sometimes their 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 gripes are legitimate. Where it's like, yeah, you should get the ball to him more. He's freaking amazing. Like he's an amazing athlete, right? So handing the ball off to like a hundred times to your running back who's getting two yards in a cloud of dust, mm -hmm. like. Maybe you should, you know, just <laughs> throw him a screen or, yeah. you know, give me the ball, right? <laughs> and, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's funny uh, just thinking about, you know, we had a conversation today about, like, you know, Tyreek Hill and how he just got traded to yeah. Miami and shit. And it's like receivers are, I feel like they're almost, like, underappreciated in a sense of, like, like they're there to make plays. Kind of like how maybe, like, in this, this, again, this is someone who's never played football, like, whatever could be completely out of left field but like i feel like receivers are kind of like kickers in a way that's like you don't realize you need them until like you need them like you know what i mean yeah i mean if you don't have a if you don't have a marquee receiver in the nfl nobody's gonna focus on that so they're just gonna pretend that Woody's out there and they're gonna essentially dedicate another person to the box to stop the run or stop the quarterback whatever but if you have a prime receiver it's almost like a decoy where yeah you, you kind of split the attention of the best defenders because now they have to pay attention to who the hell is out there. Yeah. If it's like a game, if it's like a baller, like Jamal, Jamar Chase, for example, like, yeah, Jamar Cincinnati. Chase is ridiculous. So like, for example, like if you're playing against Cincinnati now, every defender on the team, even the D tackle has to be aware of 
because the coaches are going to be saying it all week during walkthrough. Number one, make sure you know where number one is. Make sure you know where he is. <laughs> They're going to be saying that all week during like uh, walkthrough and looking through their schematics because you, you know it's about um, it's about matchups. And yeah. when you have a guy out there who's just a baller who can take it to the house at any moment, who's like an elite athlete, yeah, it changes the whole game plan and the whole approach. And when your attention is divided, you are less effective because now you're thinking about two things. You know, it's like, can you walk and chew gum at the same time? Well, some of us can, some of us can't. And some guys in the NFL, believe it or not, professional athletes are not always the greatest at doing two things at once. A lot of them, you just have to be like, hey, attack, attack this gap. Don't think about anything else. But when you have a superstar out there, now they have to think about everything that the guy might do or whatever. Like you're making them think too much, right? So, yeah. Uh, you're you're kind of removing their animal instincts hmm. um, and uh, uh, making them less effective. No, for sure, for sure. What position were you getting? Because I know you were a running back, and you mentioned you were a quarterback. I was running back first, and then I was a quarterback. So I was running back grade 10, 11, and then I was a quarterback grade 12. Okay. And then I switched to safety, and then I went back to running back Damn. to kind of finish up my career. Hard-hitting safety. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was a safety for like two minutes. Like my first year with the Huskies, I played corner and safety, but then I, uh, I got hurt my knee, oh, and then I rehabbed that. Came back the next year. I played running back. Tore it up. Like did a play. Oh 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 like, oh! I thought like you tore won, up your knee. Yeah, I won the <laughs> offensive player of the year. Oh, good for you, man. Yeah, I got like I think I had over 500 yards in like six games or something like that. Like pretty good season. I was like 20, the height of my masculine powers. I was like Wolverine. I said today, like 20, <laughs> what, 20 year olds, 21 year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have to worry about any injuries because like you literally heal organically. It's crazy because your body's just like just teeming with testosterone and growth hormone right? yeah yeah you're just a, your body is just like a factory of fucking stem cells and shit like <laughs> your body will just figure it out especially when you're 20 yeah so i had no issues about like getting hurt and stuff like that but uh yeah no football was fun i mean quarterback i should have played quarterback after i sound yeah. like that no, guy listen from, i, I sound like you the can guy, throw i, I know like, you can throw i sound like the guy from the polling dynamite like <laughs> If coach, would have put me, if coach would have put me in fourth <laughs> quarter, I swear we would have won state, man. I'm in. Yeah. But no, I played quarterback grade 12. And yeah. then for whatever reason, I, maybe I thought I wasn't tall enough or I can't remember exactly, but I should have kept playing. We like that. You and I like to throw the ball. Right? Oh, yeah. No, this this guy. So for my listeners here, like I, I've run, I've ran a couple routes for this guy uh, throwing the football to me. And I, let me tell you, this guy can throw the damn football. <laughs> I remember last summer I ran some routes for this guy. Uh, we just went to like a like a field out uh, by uh, Bonnie Dune there. It was the U Alberta Camus Saint Jean field, and uh, I was I was catching some footballs for this guy. I was running some routes, and he threw a ball so damn hard at my at my hands, it it, it like went off like one of my fingers and like hyperextended it, <laughs> and for like two weeks I couldn't move my finger. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this oh, guy geez. can throw it. No, man, I taught you that. Yeah, yeah, you, you're a quick learner, though. I remember we went through the whole route tree, and, you know, you were good, man. You were just uh, good feet, pretty quick, and uh, mm-hmm. tracking the ball, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're a natural, man. You would have been a good receiver if you tried. No, to I appreciate you, man. I think uh, I think part of it, too, is I'd, I'd love to be able to do that again, but, like, with actual cleats on. I feel because I, I was doing that with <laughs> trainers on, and I feel like I was slipping half the time, like, couldn't even like grip the ground properly so yeah. i'd be curious to do it like on grass with like actual cleats you know yeah bro you definitely need uh the right equipment out there man yeah you but know? it's like uh in uh, my brother's a chef and he says the most dangerous thing for chefs is to have a dull knife 
It's all you, knife. Because <laughs> you actually end up pushing harder on the knife. Yes. And oh, then, yeah. And then, yeah. You sli- then it slips off the whatever food you're cutting and it cuts you. So, so it's funny you mentioned that. My roommate, Seth, just cut his finger because of that reason. Like literally. Like uh, he was he was cutting with uh, one of my other roommates' knives who he wasn't used to the like the sharpness of the knife. And yeah. he cut his finger because... He didn't, wasn't used to it. Yeah, and you think a sharp knife be no more dangerous. I'm like, no, because with the sharp knife, you have to put less effort into it to yep. cut it. So yeah. uh, it's the same thing with football like or anything. Like for you're just talking about cleats. If you don't have cleats, you're you're pushing harder off the ground with yeah. your with your uh, non-studded shoes, your sneakers, and then you're more you're more likely to roll an ankle or, you know, worst case, blow a knee out or something. Yeah, there's an art to that, though. I, 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 I definitely enjoyed running routes for you last summer, and uh, we'll have to, we'll definitely uh, be running that back again. But what kind of quarterback were you in your day? Like, were you like a dual threat, like deep, deep passer? What was your... I was a dual threat, man. I mean, I like to, uh, I like to make quick reads. Um, my O-line, half my O-line was good. The other half was okay. So I had like this internal... Uh, this internal clock one mississippi two mississippi and by three mississippi if the ball wasn't out i was getting cooked <laughs> i was getting completely like what it called pancaked okay so i had this internal clock it was either one mississippi two mississippi out or one mississippi two mississippi run so mm-hmm. um a lot of times those are very quick reads uh you're not reading the whole field like modern nfl quarterbacks you're going to your first read if he's not there yeah, yeah. your second read if he's not there then you run <laughs> And a lot of times, it's not even the second read. It's like the first read's not there. You just fucking take off. Hell yeah. So that was kind of the process back then. But um, uh, yeah, I was a little bit of, I liked, I was pretty fast, agile. So, you know, take off, run here and there, that kind of stuff. But so you I, were uh, you were like a like a Lamar Jackson, like Kyler Murray kind of thing. It, the modern day comp, because I was closer to that era, would be like McNabb. Donovan, yeah. the boy. I know you're an Eagles fan. Yeah, so. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That's, yeah. Those are your boys. That's eh? my boy. Yeah. So McNabb. Uh, back then in the day he was i wasn't as hefty as him i was probably about a buck 80 <laughs> he was he was a big boy yeah a lot of campbell's chunky soup bro. <laughs> <laughs> well he was didn't he do like a yeah. campbell's chunky ad or something <laughs> he was their main mascot <laughs> i think he used to have a bowl before in every game yeah yeah legit legit yeah, yeah, he's a unit <laughs> yeah big big unit big unit yeah, if one of the linebackers went down he'd be out there <laughs> <laughs> he'd be playing linebacker if he yeah. wasn't uh, a million dollar arm yeah, but i think he was 240 pounds or something like that and six yeah six two so uh no that's good i mean we've 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 covered quite a bit here when it comes to uh you know whatever uh with uh projects and football and shit like that um but i'd be curious now so we're gonna we're gonna close out the show here with the draft i've told you kind of how the draft is uh you draft your top five um we go back and forth here and uh we'll go on the subject so i i have not told you the the subject yet um i told you though that there was no research required and i think it's best to have it kind of off the cuff. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm going to say the topic here. We're going to be doing your basketball starting five of comic, video, game, or cartoon characters. Run that back. So you got your starting five basketball players, okay. right? Like like point guard to center. Okay. And it's going to be of comic characters, video game characters, wow, or cartoon characters. So like basically this is kind of going off our Batman talk. This is so, cool. This uh, is a really good one. Yeah, I'm I'm curious on uh, to this hear you know creative. each other's thoughts. So uh, I, I'm going to give you the first pick. Uh, you know the uh, David Stern's coming up to the uh, to the, uh, the 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 little podium. He's like you know that that little sound like do 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 do. So Basketball. with the first overall pick. <laughs> 
So first uh, of all, in no particular order, um, who's your who's your starting five? And we'll go back and forth here, and we'll. Okay, first pick is gonna be Spider Man, one hundred percent. And where is he playing? He's playing point guard. Okay, and and how? Why so? Uh, agility, quickness, and then uh, Spidey sense. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I think Spider Man at the point, you know, he can he can kind of run that Chris Paul kind of, you know, he can see the court. He's got that court vision. The Spidey sense is the biggest one. Yeah. Anticipating lanes to throw and make passes and yeah. an assist. That's a hell of a pick. And then also he's hell athletic. So you think he can he can he can score enough at the rim? Oh yeah, for sure he can uh, uh, jump and stuff and. Uh, I think he'd be a solid pick. Okay. I got you. I got you. Uh, so for my first pick, I'm going to go with uh, Superman. I'm going to go with Superman at the small Ooh, forward. Wait, anybody you pick, I can't pick? Yes. Yes. Oh, shit. So um, that, that's why it's a draft. Oh, so. wow. okay. <laughs> okay. Damn. Uh, so anyways, I'm going to go with Superman. I'm going to put Superman at small forward. Um, I think small forward, when I think about the small forward position, that's like the position where like you, you need the most all-around ability. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, and I think Superman on like the offensive, but also the, I think he has the defensive ability to like be like a shutdown guy. And I think he can kind of develop his offense. Kind of like a, it's kind of like a Kawhi situation here where like, you know, you're going to get the defense. It's the offense as a question mark, but you could develop that with time. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Superman playing the small forward. Okay. 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 I got you. I got you. Uh, for me, I'm going to be playing, uh, Ooh, this is this is such a fun game. Yeah. Uh, let me go with the Hulk at power forward. The Hulk at power forward. Okay. Care to care to elaborate? So power forward's all about getting rebounds and uh, you know being a flex, uh, you know a flex guard essentially yeah. in a way. But uh, you got to get rebounds and you got to be able to score around the basket. And okay. I just think that he'll get hella rebounds. Okay. So he's he's kind of like your Kevin Garnett, like like with like the big ticket. Yeah, with like a life supply. Of of subway (laughs) (laughs) no i appreciate that that's a good pick that's a good pick um so when i think about comic video game or cartoon characters so i'm trying to think who else i could pick maybe like i'll pick sonic i'm gonna pick him i'm gonna pick him to play point guard i'm gonna pick sonic to play point guard i think he'd be uh you know he's got the speed to to cut to the rim you know you know what i'm saying he could he's he's i feel like he can make plays at like a high speed and uh, I think as a point guard, you need to be fast. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go with Sonic at the, my, my point guard. I got Batman at small forward. Okay. Uh, agility, uh, ability to, he's about 6'2", uh, 210 pounds. It's a little bit shorter, but uh, I think he could be a good flex player. And he's also strong, uh, great endurance. So yeah, Batman small forward. Got you, man. Got you, man. Um, for me, I'm going to go with, um, damn, this is... Oh man, who can I pick at this point? Um, cartoon, video game characters, movie characters, maybe even cartoon. Um, I'm gonna go. Hmm, this might be uh, this might be an undersized pick for the power forward. I'm gonna go with Squidward tentacles at the power <laughs> forward. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go with Squidward because he's just got an attitude to him. Like you know what I mean? Like like he's kind of a fuck you attitude. Yeah he'll box your ass out you know i don't give a fuck um but he also he got them hands bro like he he has Mm. eight tentacles he's gonna grab them boards and you know we we know how much board man gets paid uh when it comes to basketball so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go squidward at uh the power forward squidward interesting okay uh 
I was almost about to see shock, et cetera. I was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that counts, but that doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count, no. <laughs> Most uh, dominant center of all time, like, let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah, 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 no cap. Uh, let's see, let's see. It could be cartoon characters too, right? Yeah, any comic, video game, cartoon characters. I'll even extend that to, like, you know, movie characters or, or whatever. Comic, video, cartoon characters. Just, um, like, like characters, like, that are, like, you know, within, like, folklore essentially okay so i'll i'll go with um mario for my shooting guard mario shooting guard okay and and how so because he's got ups he's got ups he's got the the boing like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a me <laughs> he's got some bounce he's got some he's bounce. got bounce man. major bounce <laughs> yeah he can he can yam it on you at the rim eh yeah you think he's a shooter yeah big time okay Mar- he's, he's yeah. got the fireball you know mario gets buckets man from time oh okay i got you i got that's a good pick that's a good pick so uh for me i've got my point guard sonic i have my small forward superman i got my power forward squidward uh i'm gonna go with hmm all right I'm, i gotta think about this now see this this is this is the beauty of the draft is you're just going off the cuff here i never tell my guests like what the subject is until like that point in time when we do it because you gotta go off the cuff here i think that's important oh big time man um but who can i pick um i'm trying to think of like like cartoons that i've watched as a kid um slash like you know fucking comic characters and shit um can i go with thanos at the center Sure, man. I'm going to go with Thanos at the center. That's a good one. Uh, you know, Thanos is just going to, you know, he's just going to body your ass. Like, he's like kind of like Shaq. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, time. he's just he going to dominate like you. He's going to dominate you in the post. He's going to grab them rebounds over your head, your head top. Um, and he's going to yam it on you. So I'm going to go with Thanos at the center. That's a good one, man. I was going to say Thanos for something else, but that's good. I like yeah. that. Uh, so I got one left. So I got... I got Spider-Man at the point. I got Mario at the shooting guard. I got Batman at the small forward, and I got the Hulk at power forward. So for my so you need center, a center, I need a center. So for my center, I'm gonna go. Uh, ooh, this is tough. Uh, I'm not sure if he even has to be tall, or if she has to be tall. But let's see. For a center, I'm gonna go for Groot. Okay. Okay. Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That big tree plant guy. <laughs> okay. Because he can grow limbs shit okay oh actually can i redact that yeah yeah sure sure i'm gonna go mr fantastic oh for center okay because he can make his he can extend his limbs maximum shit okay that's that's good that's good and he's a doctor so he's pretty smart yeah grab the boards you know you know what i'm saying okay read 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 richards okay I, i got you i got you um okay so i have sonic point guard i have superman small forward squidward power forward and then thanos center so i got a shooting guard left um can i go with harry potter here is that is that a thing yeah i don't know like he's not a cartoon character but i feel like i feel like harry potter like is creative enough to like be able to score the basketball like you know what i'm saying like 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 as a two guard or like you know as a scorer i feel like a two guard is kind of like that like bucket like you know what i mean and i feel like i feel like harry potter is like creative enough with the wand and it can kind of relate to basketball in a sense of like he can kind of create his own shot so that's really good man uh i'm gonna he's go a with, wizard yeah. yeah he's a wizard you're a wizard harry 
as uh, Hagrid would say. But I'm gonna go with Harry Potter uh, at the shooting guard position. I think uh, I think he can create his own shot and get some buckets for the team. Wow, so, that's good. Uh, I'm gonna go with him. And uh, you know, he's a shooter. You know, you, you know how he is off the court. You know, he he's he's picking up he's picking up uh, Hermione and uh, whoever uh, <laughs> Funny. off the court. You know, yeah, he's. A, he- He's a he's a, he's a goat off the court. Yeah, he's a shooter on and off the court. That guy. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Harry Potter at the two. That's uh, mad respect. That's good. So this uh, is a fun game, man. Yeah, this is uh, this is the draft. So who's your who's your starting five? If you you want to repeat that. Yeah, starting five. I've got Spider Man at the point. I got Mario at the shooting guard. I got Batman at the small forward. And I got uh, the Hulk at power forward, and I got Reed Richards at the center. Okay, I got you. That, that's a hell of a lineup. Um, and for me, I got Sonic at the point guard, Harry Potter at the shooting guard, uh, small forward. I have uh, Superman, uh, Squidward Tentacles at the power forward. He's a little slim to play power forward, but you know what? I think with with his the amount of arms he has, he can stretch the floor. Maybe be kind of that stretch four. And then uh, you know the center, I got Thanos. So I, you know, I think this is uh, both both our squads have some uh, power. We might meet our, each other in the NBA Finals. Hey, hey, listen, man, may the best team win. You know, yeah, may may the best team win. But uh, <laughs> you know, anyways, that's that's our draft, um, and that's really our show at, at the end of it. Um, I mean, we we've covered a lot today, Keem. Is there anything you want to say to close out the show? We're not going to talk about uh, you know the Brampton thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can you uh, know maybe another episode. You know, maybe know. another episode. Uh, sure. There's you know I we we've we've <laughs> Uh, you know, there's always the Toronto talk. Uh, you know, it's a that's a fun little subject we always uh, we always cover. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if there's uh, any uh, Brampton things out there, um, you know, I'm still in the market. Little, <laughs> just letting you know. But uh, no, Ryan, honestly, I had a great time. And uh, final thoughts, um, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down, ask me about my projects, ask, ask me what's going on in my life. When truthfully, I want to know what's going on in your life. And, uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, what's going on with you is very exciting and starting your new career and getting this podcast going. Yeah. I appreciate I mean, you, man. It's uh, it's exciting times ahead, man. Um, you're talking about hot boy summer, man. It's going to be a hot boy decade, man. You're in your early twenties. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're hitting your, yes, sir. you're going into super Saiyan mode. Uh, so, uh, yeah, man, I'm pumped uh, to uh, see where this goes and to see how the show progresses and see if you can add more of this creativity to uh, all the episodes. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, man, you're the real MVP, bro. No, I appreciate you, bro. And, uh, you know, it's uh, you were definitely one of the first people I I wanted, I had on my radar when it came to, to guests. So I'm really glad we were able to make this happen. And, um, yeah, a little fun little collab episode here with uh, Show Up and Show Out for times uh, Akeem's dream show. So I'm glad we were able to make it happen, and uh, uh, we'll definitely get you on again. Uh, you know, yeah, in the near future. For next sure. time, I would love to come on and do some raps if you want. Oh hell yeah! Bring on some beats. Hell yeah! Talk yeah, you know, you know, you know, my boy T got the beats. We could talk about dating and talk about all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that'd we'll, be a lot of fun topics to cover. Yeah, man, we'll run it back for sure in the in the near future beautiful but, uh, anyways Ryan, thanks, man bro. uh love you bro and uh love you too man catch you uh catch you on the flip side man i that's a wrap and there you go that was the end of my double header podcast weekend over easter weekend two podcasts in two days uh really put in some extra work on this show to to make it happen and i'm glad you all got to meet akeem uh like i said one of uh i, I said on the on the podcast interview there one of my best friends, uh, really interesting guy, and one of the just the best uh, straight up people I know. So I'm glad you all got to meet him. Uh, I will definitely be running a show with him again in the future. And again, go check out his show too, uh, Akeem's Dream Show. He has he has some pretty fun topics on there as well. I'll put the the link in the description there. But 
as I mentioned uh, at the start of this show a little bit and more or less the end of uh, last show, I'm going to be taking a little bit of time away from podcasting. Uh, I'm going to be hopping on a plane sooner rather than later here and wanted to pump this out before uh, I take some time off, but I will be back in the chair very soon. I have some very fun episodes planned uh, this summer. Uh, Lots of guest episodes will be coming. I got some great guests lined up uh, who are willing to uh, spit some game on this show. I won't uh, won't give away the topics or the guests yet because those uh, surprises are always fun. But uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a fun summer of show up and show out content. You're also going to obviously get the solo episodes every now and then too. But I will see you all very soon. And uh, with that being said, RC out. Tap in soon. See you later. Love you all.